tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today. 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you to make a call. Emma is looking after the programme today. Now, coming up on the show, Johnny Luby is live in studio with me. I'll be chatting to him in just a little while. We have more on the speed limits and uh, what uh, drivers can expect under the government proposals. Could the local links bus service be doing a disservice to rural villages. Well, one of our listeners uh, thinks so. He'll tell me why a little later on. The nitrate changes, what it could mean to farmers. I'll be speaking to Deputy Jackie Cahill about that. And of course, our Friday panel will unpack the big topics of the week. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Let's have a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. It appears that right across the newspaper, certainly from a photographic point of view, this coverage of last night's uh, defeat, the soccer defeat in uh, France. And uh, my favourite headline is Les Miserables on one of the tabloids. Anyway, the Irish Times featuring a picture of uh, Ireland's uh, Adam Ida and uh, James McLean as uh, the Euro qualification hopes receded following that 2-0 defeat. Uh, to France last night. Also on the front of the Times, uh, plans to deliver a budget package of about $6.4 billion will proceed even if there is more volatility in Ireland's tax uh, receipts this year. And that's according to the Minister for Public Expenditure, Pascal Donoghue. Uh, let's go to the Irish Daily Mail and RTE making the headlines there once again. Their headline says, Bosses at RTE urged take a 10% pay cut. So RT has been urged to cut the salaries of senior executives by 10% as the broadcaster is in need of a 55 million euro bailout, can you believe? It was revealed in the National Broadcaster's annual report this week that executives who took a 10% pay cut when the pandemic hit uh, RT's finances had that pay cut restored in September of 2022. Also, much coverage of uh, Saoirse Ronan across the newspapers uh, today as well. Beautiful picture of her on the front of uh, the Daily Mail. And uh, that uh, headline there says, uh, Saoirse, I've been treated very poorly on some film sets. And it's an interesting story. Uh, The Irish Indo, again, a picture from last night's defeat in France. And also they're telling us that up to 60,000 vacant homes will be subject to a new tax from the start of November as the government tries to make more properties available for sale or rent the vacant homes. Tax will be charged at a rate of three times the local property tax. Now this means that a house valued at 300,000 for the property tax would attract a vacant home tax of 945 euro if left unoccupied. The Irish Examiner and again a picture of from that game last night in Paris and uh, the headline there Blues for Ireland on hot Paris night and also on the, the examiner today uh, a story that uh, Fine Gael is pinning its hopes on electing senators to the Doyle to make up uh, for the loss of up to nine sitting TDs uh, before the next general election so that's a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today if you want to make comment on any of that 
As always, we'd be delighted to hear from you. 83 311 Johnny Luby is with me in studio. Morning, Johnny. Good morning, friend. Good morning to the uh, listeners out there. What are you making of the headlines today, Johnny? Can't turn unbelievable. I suppose they always put down spectacular headings so that they can sell the papers as well, especially on the Sunday. I know. I mean, like the Sunday papers are, <laughs> you know, every second page is, adver- is advertising and yeah. everything is doom and gloom with them, you know. Yeah, well, of course, there's reason for some of the doom and gloom, particularly with that performance by the soccer team last night. You're, you're not much of a soccer man, are you? No, I'd follow them all right now. I watched bits and pieces of it last night, but when I came back into the kind of maybe France were leading 2 0, I said, fake this. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. Uh, yeah, they're not. Uh, look, I suppose we haven't got the players playing in the Premier Division of English soccer, which we used to have. You know, you've only maybe one player and the rest of them are playing all in the Division 1 and 2 and that. And uh, when you go up to take on the likes of France, especially in Paris, you know, they did put up a good enough old battle, but uh, France are a serious outfit, you know. Yeah, but we'll be talking about the, the Rugby World Cup. And I mean, I think Ireland's now number one in terms of expectations and all of that. How can we do so remarkably well with Indigenous players for rugby and soccer is probably a more popular game. Certainly young days are playing it all. Yeah, I suppose... Well, uh, why don't we do as well or better? Yeah, well, I suppose when you look at uh, uh, the Irish rugby setup, where you have the four provinces, you know, you have them here at home, they're based here, they're playing with Leinster, who are a top-class outfit, getting to Heineken Cup finals and winning that, and Munster winning that league and that. Uh, like, it's different, we'll say, uh, with the soccer. Like, they're in all sorts of different clubs in England and it's to get them together and all of that, they're playing every weekend. Whereas, if they're not playing with Ireland, they're playing with Leinster or Munster or Connacht or Ulster. So, like, they're gelling and bonding the whole time, you know, and they are ranked number one in the world. They have 13-1 games, one on the trot. Uh, they look to be in tremendous physical order looking at them coming out onto the the field for training purposes and all of that you know and they they didn't get a bad draw really like they'll get a match against Romania now, well, I, what do you make of Romania? well I thought the three senior teams in Tipperary Clanmel, Nina and Cashel would be from <laughs> that's what I think like and that's uh, their first game is it yeah, tomorrow? That's, yeah tomorrow. that's their first game like they should be I don't know what the uh, the handicap betting would be but I would imagine it would be up in the 30 odd uh, bracket, yeah. And of course, he can rest a couple of the players that are injured and keep them for the so called mm. bigger game. Did I read a Sexton back? Isn't Sexton is back for yeah. tomorrow evening. Now, he has to play him anyway uh, simply because uh, he had no game. He was suspended from his rantings against the referee mm. in the Heineken Cup final uh, and that. But look, hey, it is going to be a, a tremendous World Cup. I mean, like, you look at the opening game tonight France against the All Blacks. I mean, like, that is a mouth watering yeah. clash. I I don't even know who would be the favourites there. Maybe France, and it being at home and they having uh, an almost a full outfit. I shot a couple of players due to injuries, for, and I suppose the All Blacks are in the same boat with the out half missing as well. Uh, mm. It promises to be a wonderful encounter. Did we not have great expectations though? about other World Cups and we didn't... That's we right, didn't I just so. didn't perform at yeah. all at all, you know, but I'd say Farrell is definitely keeping them uh, uh, underground. John Fogarty as well, his dad was Dennis Fogarty. Mm. Uh, uh, no, 
yeah, he's dead well, Dennis Fogarty. Uh, Dennis was a son of Mick's in Cashel years ago. I, I, I knew Dennis music. and I knew Mick as well. Yeah, Dennis yeah. was a smashing guy. Yeah, yeah. You knew him. He used to travel for a tire company. We often dealt he play, with him. He played the piano in the palace oh, every hey, so often. He yeah. was top class. I have no <laughs> doubt. The Lord have mercy job. upon him. But Great John Fogarty would be the forwards coach now with Ireland. Ah. And uh, that a top class chap, you see. And uh, I was just reading an article yesterday uh, that he, he, he had wrote or he had written. And uh, he was uh, saying that they're playing as a they're together as a family they're playing like a club team right. they're representing everybody the county the parish the club the whole lot bringing all down to that and look I've no doubt that they're well clued in for this and you know it, it's going to be hard for them to uh, expect them to win the World Cup but they won't be they won't be too far away you know they have they have a decent bloody outfit. I think Gibson Park at Scrum Half brings a huge uh, quickness to the game, whereas Conor Murray has talks of experience, but uh, I suppose he's the two or three, and he, maybe his speed is gone, but it's all about the pace of the game, getting to the rook smalls and getting the ball out quick, out to the backs, or if you think the forwards are on top, leaving it inside in the forwards, then you know, but in the sweltering heat in France, mm. it's going to be tough going on the forwards, especially because they're involved in line-outs, scrums, rook smalls, you name it you know and to get around the field some of the lads now will say they're maybe the equivalent of yourself uh, friend they're a good burly guys <laughs> the cheek of you knows no bounds I've lost weight I'll have you know yeah because I saw it with the soccer players last night they needed um, water breaks that's right Joe, water breaks and all of that but it's going to be interesting you know and friend of course it's a big weekend in the in Tipperary in the GE as well like uh, tonight we have the county board drive somebody is clued in there this morning that they might tell me again what place it is in in Ross Grey. Uh, it's in Ross Grey tonight. It's in Ross Grey tonight. Okay. Uh, you you might let us know on that 083 And yeah. uh, that we certainly hope to get there. And also, friend, then uh, tomorrow, then you have the likes of, uh, for myself, I have grandchildren playing uh, big games over the weekend on the 13 with Clonality Ross Moore. They're playing Federt in New Inn uh, tomorrow. And then uh, Clonality play Latin Cullen in a West Final in June or That game is on in... Uh, no, I think that game is on on Sunday in Golden and the under-17s then are playing as well in a, a, a West Final against Latin Cullen. So it, it's all systems go when you have the, the grandchildren in action. Of course, right. Cashel yeah. under-13s are out in a county semi-final as well. And uh, then on Sunday on Sunday as well, inside, outside in Temple Tuohy, the venue has been changed for, from uh, Cashel. Uh, Clonolty Ross Moore take on uh, Mullinahone in the uh, preliminary quarter-final of the senior hurling. That's certainly a most interesting encounter because uh, Clonolty are in the hard position after winning the West they're playing a preliminary and they'll have to uh, the fact that they didn't qualify out of the group of four seemingly they have to win all their matches up to and including the county final to avoid relegation so they could be beaten in a county senior hurling final but they still have to go back into relegation but that's the way the the rules are David was on uh, seemingly it's uh, Phelan's pub oh Phelan's pub that's right Joel yeah which we should be able to get there tonight. And I, I am informed that you did join the county board draw because I made inquiries. I did. And if you come out tonight for a care, there is a woman there. She'll go for a spin with you. And that's <laughs> Nelly O.C. <laughs> well, about time, because I bought the ticket from Nelly O.C. Right, yeah. and, and I didn't come out last week in no, the No, I didn't. But you see, uh, hey, uh, we might look after it uh, tonight. But also, uh, I believe that there is a big birthday coming up as well uh, between one and the two of us. And it's not me. 
Oh, yeah, it's me. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> We're trying to guess your age. Oh. Is it 40, 50, 60? 29. <laughs> 29. Listen, the big GAA news, of course, was uh, Shamey retiring. Retire, oh, yeah, Shamey Frank. Callahan. What a, yeah. a wonderful servant. He has oh, been there, stop. I think, since 2008. And uh, just reading an article yesterday, he says a sincere thanks to all the supporters and followers and selectors and coaches and everything else. But he really thanked Eamon O'Shea, who was uh, a top-class coach, you know, playing the type of hurling uh, or coaching the type of hurling yeah. that the likes of Shamey and Lark Corbett and them excelled in into open spaces they had a bit of space and all of that and I suppose to, in eight championship games to score eight goals uh, a goal in each game like that's phenomenal and also to score over 40 goals I mean he's 11 held, he's 11 ahead of Lark Corbett in the all time greats of uh, Tipperary goal uh, goal poachers you know he was a wonderful mm. hurler in every way and uh, that great size physical maybe six foot three well, they, they put up some videos last night on social media of him and the agility of him man. oh yeah you know I mean just incredible. for a big man that's like, right you know, yeah he was well able yeah he'd made a fine rugby player yeah. as well you know I'd be looking at all them lads from physical wise you know yeah, and that yeah. he always carried himself well and that we we actually done a, a strictly come dancing one night up in Nina for a, I don't know who it was for but he was one of the judges with myself a, got on the finest with Jamie, you know. Uh, yeah. so he was like a fella getting rid of the ball fairly quick. He'd, he'd get rid of uh, uh, the, the, why he judged this one for number eight out of ten. He'd hand it over to me. I'd say ten out of <laughs> ten, out of ten, Jamie. And that's, that's the way to get to get rid of them, you know. Yeah. But uh, it's a wonderful, uh, uh, a wonderful player. You know, Very and a thanks player. to him. And the best of luck to him with Drummond Inch. He'll probably play on for another year or two, you know. And he turned his hand into the football and that. And injury, of course, uh, was a big bugbear of his for a, a couple of years you know to make the temporary teams and yeah. that but I look it's like everything else tis the end of a, a, a golden era you know uh, well that's for sure but such an outpouring of appreciation for him that's right yeah. was, was just uh, fantastic what is it about you cutting ribbons on businesses now and everything that's right really yeah. you know <laughs> why don't yeah. I get asked ever no it's all Johnny Luby <laughs> yeah my <laughs> where, where are you my optician in Tipperary Town Fitzgerald's uh, uh, one of the girls there they're opening up uh, an optician's place in care on Friday next around 10 o'clock at Durkins to be known as it's some place near the uh, Galtine or there along right. and uh, to wish him the very best of luck I told him that my eyesight isn't hectic I might cut my finger with the scissors and she said we'll give you a free eye test beforehand <laughs> so I have to give him a bit of a mention you know very good. Uh, Maeve Lowry has put me on to them first day you know and yeah. I was amazed like they give uh, uh, Maeve Lowry uh, tinted glasses they were a kind of blue with the rims blue rims they were lovely now but the following week then May, Maeve uh, dyed her hair to kind of blue as well so I met her the morning above at JJ Cowles in Tipperary Town I said Fran Curry wants to know is your hair still the same colour I love it what were you doing at JJ Carroll's? you weren't buying a bicycle or anything you know? <laughs> no I was getting a chainsaw uh, yeah. edged or something like oh. that or whatever a pole saw it was very good but, uh, lots of people on to make sure that we know it's feelings in Ross Grey seemingly Gina was telling Gina Strang from Kilsheelan telling us uh, feelings market house in Clans lots and lots of people on yeah, yeah. in 
in Ross Gray. So yeah. And problem. of course, Fran, just to emphasise again that county uh, games are on in Temple too. There's also an intermediate game on Tip FM are doing it live, you know. I was hoping to get there, but I'm going to uh, Boris Akeen. I heard you yesterday loud and clear up the country. No, no home, I was looking yeah. at grey, uh, Greyhound popped up in around Kilbig and Mullingare, but uh, uh, I heard Noel Hogan and he certainly spoke from the heart oh, of he uh, uh, the wonderful yeah. uh, Deirdre Dassey Hogan, you know, and the auction goes ahead. It's a monster auction on uh, Sunday mm. next around two o'clock. And when I hear you saying about uh, the the Google and how to get there and the whole lot and uh, the air code, I just brings out oh, my, my, map, map. my map I with me. I have seen one of those yeah, for years. <laughs> they're a great thing. And I can tell all and sundry that if you went to Borough Sakian, yeah. you go to Borough Road and you turn left. Or else you go up Dutter Road, which will bring you to Terry Glass, and you turn right for Eglish. And don't mind you, eat whatever. Uh, I'll ha- I have the Google here someplace. E53, E132. Yes. But like, if you're like me, just bring them. I bring, bring the, the map, map of Ireland. And often, if I was coming back late at night, friend, at two o'clock in the morning, pull in the side of the road, put on the lights in the car, and see about, I'd see a signpost. We'll say, you will just say Temple only. I said, Mother of God, above tonight, I'd scout North Tipperary, <laughs> South Tipperary, because we wouldn't know where we were, you know. But you with that bloody phone that you have, there's, it, it, it's so old, there's a press button A on it, for That's God's right, sake. Yeah. I mean, you know, really. uh, yeah, friend, last Sunday we had the, the race in Tipperary. It's a family day, they had a huge day there. And of course, their last meeting is the 1st of October, where they have grade one races on the flat. They also have top class uh, huddle races, and they have one or two chases as well. It's the same day as the uh, pre arc and they have the big television screen they're, they're expecting a huge crowd and they just said to say thanks to yourself and that they'll they'll maybe in the next week or so I'll have two tickets for some kind of a well, guess who was the what was the man's second what was the man's name that uh, the second man to land on the moon the second man. The second man. I did, but I did say I didn't even know the first fellow landed there. <laughs> so anyway, but uh, yeah, friend, uh, that's on. And of course, heartiest congratulations in Greyhound terms to Jennifer O'Donnell outside in Killinall. She won the Derby, Grey, Irish Greyhound Derby, for the second year running, which is a huge, phenomenal achievement. And the biggest achievement of all is that last year she won it with this dog's brother and to come out this year and win the Derby the Bile Sports Incredible, Derby yeah. worth 125,000 her wow. dad was Matt O'Donnell a top class trainer indeed he got six greyhounds true to the Project Stakes final in Clonmel and that was some achievement but she's after doing it now and the more I think of killing all you have the likes of Rachel Blackmore now you have Jennifer O'Donnell I mean it was some achievement and the dog done the fastest Derby winning time uh, ever 29-10 which is equates to 27-70 anybody that follows the 525 mm. the normal thing for the Derby but celebrations were high in... Uh, yeah, it's a wonder in, there wasn't a lot more publicity about Well, that. yeah, I mean, it was it on like, TV3, you know, yeah. uh, and that... Uh, yeah, I was amazed that I wasn't uh, listening every morning now to, uh, uh, we'll just say to Tip FM, but mm. for myself that follow all sport, I would have to say well done to her, and of course I knew her mum, yeah. Frances O'Donnell, I knew Matt very well, uh, and that I was involved in a, a greyhound or two that uh, as in a syndicate, uh, and that Matt was a dab hand at getting dogs ready, the Lord of mercy upon him, but for Jennifer and all her family, hey, it's some achievement to win it last year with the Brilliant. brother and this year uh, again, but mm. uh, also friend, uh, the uh, 
yesterday you had a seemingly Seamus Healy on. Mm. I go back a long time with Seamus Healy. I suppose 40 odd years uh, and that. And to me, he always came across as a fine old scout. You know, you could approach him with anything, any kind of a question, whatever the case may be. I'm delighted to see that he's running uh, and that uh, fair play to him for putting his name forward. You know, uh, Seamus rang me there a couple of years ago. There was a great friend of his here in Clanmel that I didn't, I just knew of, but uh, to know what I pay him a visit and I said to Seamus I said yeah I'll, I'll look I'll be up I'll call down someday next week and Seamus just said to me Johnny he said next week could be too late Seamus I was down in Kerry Seamus mm. I said I'll be down tomorrow morning right. so I did and Seamus met Seamus there at half past eight nine o'clock and we went over to see the man and he was absolutely delighted you know he wasn't oh, well uh, and yeah. that, so uh, we had a wonderful uh, maybe an hour together I just said hey he, he just seemingly he said before that the man that died uh, Mr O'Donnell he just said uh, I just want to see what kind of a whore this fella is he said <laughs> so, so that I'll recognise him he said in the next world but anyway uh, oh, very uh, good. that's it very and good of indeed. course uh, the misfortunate cow. What? The misfortunate cow now makes the news. What cow? The cows with the emissions and the flatulence oh, yeah, yeah, and the yeah, whole bloody yeah. lot. Front, it's an absolute scandal. How well they pick the cow that can't talk or anything else. <laughs> Mother of God above tonight, they're talking about... So you're client. speaking for the cows, are I'm you? speaking for the cows now. <laughs> but, friend, I'll tell you, it's an absolute disgrace when you think of it, really, that yeah. the warmest day we ever had was 1906. Yeah. where the temperatures reached 30. And now they're talking about climate change and it reaching 27 or 8. We had it in 1906. We had it in the Battle of Ben Burb. You're not going to get me into trouble and start denying climate change look, again. There is. You? Look, there, there, I, look, I've no problem with uh, the climate change, but like they're telling us that... Uh, uh, that uh, the world is getting warmer. I mean, like George Lee, if you want to tell bad news, give it to George <laughs> Lee. Because I've, I've yet to hear him coming out saying he that we're the, going yeah, to... Yeah, he has the great face for, for oh, bad oh, news. Oh, yeah, that we're going to tear McAdam, the Forkney Road and the Monday. I can cycle a bike down. Is it cutting as he is? But and look, there is some bit of news in it. But, I mean, I was talking to two farmers, friend, yesterday. The amazing thing about their tech situation is out now. And both of them are in around the same. One of them is 55,000 and the other is 82,000 of a tax bill. Wow. Now, that is huge, considering that milk is 36 or 7 cent a litre. Uh, and that, uh, considering that the, that the corn situation is as it is, and they're blaming everything on the uh, Ukraine war and all of that. Mm. But I don't know where farmers are supposed to get the money. I mean, like, they're trying to abide, uh, come down in cow numbers, uh, to, uh, we'll say, for the emissions and all of that. And here they are, hit with tax bills like that I don't know how they're supposed to survive yeah. I genuinely don't know considering friend that uh, I haven't the exact figure but the plastic that you see for the round bales in the field that's gone rocket high and what can you do when you buy it or get it on the strength of the never never system or whatever uh, and that because you have to put uh, the wrappers around uh, the, mm. the bales aside the changes in the derogation the nitrates uh, derogations as well We've that's right yeah. I, I, I was just listening yeah. to news this morning I, my own opinion is uh, look uh, all of us have background in farming or we have cousins that are closely related to the land and all of that. I just thought that everybody should have went in yesterday into that big meeting with the, with mm. the uh, Minister. Do you think Mac the farm organisations were incorrect to do Well, well the, I, the ICMSA went in, but yeah, the IFA... Uh, uh, I would it. certainly say, like, whatever hope you have of trying to... I mean, like, now they'll be trying to get a, maybe, a, what do you say, an audience or whatever it is with the Minister and he mightn't be available on such a day. Mm. And here you had your chance yesterday to let him have the double bell. 
And I often wonder, friend, even coming in along the road, I was just thinking to myself, the Billy Kellehers of this world that are representing us, Ming, uh, uh, Wallace, Ballone, Wexford, Claire Daly, there's, a, uh, there's another girl there as well from, Fi- from Fien, is it Fien Gale or Fine Gale? I better oh, get it right. Oh, I was going to bring that up with you. Yeah, There I was am, a lot of hassle about uh, you yeah, last week. Come here a minute, listen to me, that's the golden pronunciation. You knew well whoever it was out there that couldn't Fien a fall of the greens I was talking about. Fine Gale, I'll call him, but yeah. anyway. Uh, like that, how is it, friend? That what are they doing out in Europe? I mean, Billy Keller and all them. And I'll ask you a question: Are, are the Fianna Fáil representatives and the Fine Gael representatives out in Europe? Are they in the one party, or are they in different? No, parties? they're in different parties. And why aren't they in the one party? They're the one party here representing Ireland. Right, but but because they're they're. From an ideological point of view, they're they're teamed with different European parties. Friend, to, to me, to the Lord of Baloney, I would ask Billy Kelleher and the rest of the guys that I named out, what are you doing uh, for the farmers in Ireland? Mm. I mean, like, this thing is feisted upon... I'm not a representative for the farmers or anything else, but mm. this thing is feisted on top of them, coming down in cow numbers, and maybe they have loans gone out and everything else. Friend, as I often said, listen... Well, that's the thing. I mean, they, they were the beneficiaries of bad advice over the years. I mean, they were... A Advised to expand their herds. Yeah, we were know, told, friend, were, that Ireland has a half a percent influence in the world in yeah. farming. Uh, get into more cows, get into this, get into that. And here, when they get into them, you'd wonder what all these advisors are doing mm. all over the place. And that includes the, the advisors that are with all the ministers. Well, you have to get down off your soapbox now because there's loads of stuff to mention here as well. Um, tell Johnny that, uh, and yourself, friend, if you're free to make your way to Port Row Village uh, because the vintage road tractors are happening in the car run as well. This Sunday, registration at 11 o'clock there, uh, starting at 1 o'clock beside the spire shop in Port Row and uh, fundraising for the parish council and uh, the memorial remembrance of the late Paddy Gill as well. I got so, you. So well, fair play to them, yeah. you know, and look, it is like everything else, uh, uh, friend, if the weather is fine, please God, whether it is or it isn't, we'll just say for the, the Deirdre Dassey Hogan, because when I hear the husband just in, in a kind of a, a sadness in his voice, you know, uh, that... Uh, so he's still broken hearted. He's still broken hearted, you know. Yeah. But friend, last weekend I was over in London at a wedding. Mm-hmm. And it was held on the banks of the Thames. Yes. Which was uh, only about five yards away from us. And... Uh, uh, it was a a, a a civil ceremony, I think they call them. Uh, and it was absolutely fantastic. She came down the river on a boat. God. Now, they expected me to catch her hand. <laughs> a man that can't swim over from the banks of the river shore. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, we had a wonderful time. There. You know, I don't remember going to bed in that amazing. Uh, no, that's not amazing <laughs> for you at all. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it was wonderful. You know, and the guest thing about the uh, wedding was is there was a small little girl there. She was maybe seven or eight. And uh, she was a kind of uh, in the hotel and she was uh, doing crayons on uh, uh, pictures, you know, to mm. keep her quiet. And uh, but the ceremony was going on for about a half an hour and the young one put up her hand and uh, lady priest, uh, or the lady, the person who was... Uh, saying a few words anyway and she says uh, to the small one yeah, yeah she says uh, what's wrong uh, we just say uh, Cara what's wrong and Cara said when are they going to kiss <laughs> she just they had, they, had oh, to, they had told her when she gives a kiss <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it is yeah. all over and <laughs> she, was, they going to kiss? she was fed up and listening to everybody yapping and talking oh, I love it. but it got around there's applause, people you know. taking issue with you again it's not your pronunciation this time but somebody says tell Johnny that Ireland's hottest day was the 18th of July 2022 in the Phoenix Park in Dublin. Somebody else saying 
There's no such thing as a poor farmer, Johnny Luby. And somebody else saying, tell Johnny Luby that uh, the farmers wouldn't have a tax bill uh, unless they had a huge income last year. Yeah, Fran, look, there's an answer to, I'm like the, uh, the TDs now, there's an answer to everything out there. But yeah. at the moment, when you have milk at roughly 170 a gallon, uh-huh. You have petrol at 10 euro a gallon. You have diesel at 10 euro a gallon. You have a gallon of wine at maybe 72 euro. You have a gallon of whiskey, it could be 132 euro for getting the small little tumblers. And a gallon of milk that we should all be drinking is only 1 euro and 60 cent. It's unbelievable. I mean, how can you make money out of it when you think about it? Yeah. They're you looking know. for a new leader for the IFA, you know. Well, so, yeah. Would, would, you, would you throw your hat in the ring yeah, there? Uh, but uh, you see that, uh, look, from, from uh, everything, you know, uh, like the, the diesel going up and the yeah. petrol going up, like it has gone sky high, rocket high. Nobody seems to give a bloody hoot in government. Mm. I mean, it's all take, take. Everything is take. Like I, from what I gathered, the, the, the barrel of oil was never as cheap. And here we are loading it on into the heating oil and the winter coming in. Uh, and that the budget now will be coming up and it will probably be the OAPs, myself included, will probably be getting four or five euro uh, a week of a rise. And everything gone up as much. Is there anybody, rep- would I go for election and represent the OAPs? <laughs> Fran, I'm are you, serious. Are you thinking of going well, for I, election? I'm, I have you to might find- as well say it now, Johnny. Well, I am. Are you? Yeah, seriously, yeah. I have to find out a couple of things. I have to find out what it <laughs> cost to put your name on the on the, the book on the ballot, to go, yeah. on the ballot paper to go. And, uh, Are you sec- serious now? Yeah, and secondly, how many votes do you have to get to uh, get your money back? Just in case that you're beaten. And are you going for the local elections? Or oh no, friend! I, 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 oh, I, I, I go, go straight to the top. Go and uh, also, then I'd be upfront with everybody. I would say that I, I, if I get the doll seat, I will not be looking for any expenses because I have the free travel up, and uh, that's it. So I'd be cutting out all that gimmick. Or if I was to get the expenses, the whole lot uh, to the hospice movement or to the additional need schooling cash or whatever else, friend. I'd be upfront about it. You see, I, I, I never know with you when you're serious or not. Oh yeah, friend, I am certainly yeah. You, you're, you're going to throw your hat in the yeah. ring. Are you making that announcement today? Yeah. Yeah. I have to find, uh, but I have to find out, we'll say, how much it costs uh, to go. And I wouldn't go canvas and put no poster on. Else I'd, well, I'd probably have to put up a poster on every parish around. Uh, there's probably, I think there's 80 odd in Tipperary, so I'd be only doing 40 around the place. Just stick up the thing, you know. And Number one, lads, or for, forget it. <laughs> And that's it. It's as simple as that. I, 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 look, I never know. I'll have to talk to you off air and see. Are you absolutely serious about so this? So, like, I'd be looking for all the listeners out there, you know, to... Uh, will, will Johnny wish Kathleen O'Brien from Anna Carty a very happy birthday today because she's heading to Jerry Jack's this evening if he wants to join her there? Jesus That'll Christ. be your third week in a row with Jerry Jack's. Oh, yeah. The Guinness up, I hit, well, the black stuff. Andrew yes. Ruby says we can't mention drink. Yeah, the black stuff that. up there is, is, is quite good. And mentioning Buckley's, they actually had a big winner, his brother of his, I'd say, or a son, brother probably, had, uh, from back from Latin Cullen, had a big winner on Saturday night in Shelburne Park prior to the uh, Derby final. Right. A very good winner. Of course, they're steeped in the Greyhounds as well, the Bratchers and all of are that. They, are so. they related to the Buckley's of Jimmy Buckley and, and his yeah, brother? Jimmy, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah it was uh, uh, Jimmy Buckley, the singer. Yeah. Uh, it was his brother was trained the dog, Pat Buckley. Oh, very yeah. good, yeah. Sure, I know Pat. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Pa- uh, no, no. Well, Pat was training a dog in the derby final but Pat uh, uh, Pat uh, that's the dog he had in the derby final but it uh, was Jennifer O'Donnell won the final Graham Holland from Golden was second the trainer and Pat Buckley from over the borders right. was uh, third yeah 
Well done indeed. Uh, go, go, Johnny, says Catherine, you have my vote. So you're canvassing already, which is... Friend, that could be my wife, Catherine. Oh, I doubt it very much. Because <laughs> she won't vote for you, you know that. I have no doubt. Holy Cross Novena, did you want to mention that? Oh, that's right, Jeff, friend. It's uh, starting today. I was hoping to do a couple of days of it, you know, just to go over the crack. Well, well, what crack? <laughs> Frank, could you tell me, and you're a man that knows it all, yeah, is yeah. there confession still going on? There is, of course. Is it? Is you it mean, can you go and get condemned? Yeah. Yeah, of course you can. Yeah. Well, because we were talking about it the night in the pub. And, uh, About yeah. time you went. <laughs> I know, yeah. But a fellow was telling us that uh, he saw a fine-looking girl walking up the street. And uh, he, the last time he went to confession, he went in and told the priest. He said, I saw, I saw, I saw some looking bo- or girl, he said, uh, walking up the street. He said, she was a flaker altogether. The priest had described her, so your man did. And the priest said, uh, look, he said, I'll tell you. He says, what you'll do is, is, he said, in future... He said, for your sins, he says, just close one eye <laughs> and look at her with the other. And then he says, when you get your eyesight properly done, he says, that Fitzgerald's opticians in temporary town. <laughs> I've been saying now and that's it. And then I'll be going to Dork and some other about uh, above tonight. Good. One of our listeners says you should go for Europe instead of going for the Dork. Well, yeah, when I Europe see... Europe could be for you now. I could, yeah, when I see the way that uh, Claire Daly and, and Mick Wallace and uh, Mr Ming... We never hear one thing from him. Yeah. Not one thing. Well, I do because I follow what... what, what in fairness to Claire da- Daly, she, she's a good orator. She's oh, she, a, a smart lady. Yeah. Have know, no doubt about it. Uh, forget confessions, Johnny. Uh, you'll be anointed. <laughs> <laughs> that must be James Devitt. <laughs> it must be indeed. All right. Um, so, so have you, you're heading for Ross Grey then tonight. I'm heading for Ross Grey tonight, please God. And then we're heading for... Uh, uh, Tim, uh, New Inn and Golden, and then we're heading for uh, uh, Boris Akane, please God, on Sunday. Maybe come back by Port Row, we'll see what the crack is. Our friend, we yes. might come back by Clonmore. Clonmore, oh yes, do come back by Clonmore, yeah. yeah. Because we're, we're there on Sunday night, myself and Muriel. So we're looking forward to that with uh, John Fitzpatrick and all of that. By God, I'll have to give him And a... John is always looking for you to go there. Oh, well, now look, hey. Tell him I'm on the way. So you're going to be there Sunday night, are you? I'll, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know yeah, a guy yeah. out in Fedot, Shawnee Donovan? I do, of course. Yeah. I well, yeah. Shawnee said he'll bring me any place. <laughs> he doesn't drink. <laughs> yeah, I'll bring him. I'll bring you any place. He told me outside. Well, you need to take him up on this. Now. So uh, I, I could be calling him twice this weekend. <laughs> all right, Johnny. Look after yourself. Thanks hey, very good much. morning. They all want to know: Are you serious about going for the the door? That's probably Finn Fall and Finn Gale. You see, I could rattle a few cages. <laughs> you good indeed. Good luck, Johnny. Hey, Bye-bye. thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thanks, 9.38. God, is it 9.38? Back in a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Classy Shoes, a new ladies' shoe shop has opened in care. Shoes for all occasions. Prices starting from €49 upwards with gorgeous brands such as Marco Tozzi, Riker, Caprice, Lodi, Nero Giardini, Clarks and more. Got problem feet? Classy Shoes have you covered with the soft mode brand. Classy Shoes, opposite Classy Lady Boutique on the square in care. Open Monday to Saturday, 9.30 to 5.30. 
At Dolan Super Value Care, 10 euro off, 50 euro, 11 euro off, 70 euro, and many more are available off your shopping every week with your Real Rewards app. Permanent cuts on thousands of products. White Leaf Toilet Roll 9 pack was 3.79, now only 2.99, save 80 cents. Goodfellas Takeaway Pizza was 6.89, now only 5 euro, save 1 euro and 89 cents. Dolan Super Value Care, the best customer service with the lowest prices. See Facebook for more. Want something to smile about? Here at Bow Dental Clinic Nina, our team of local experts are waiting to help you achieve just that. Our comfortable and modern clinic offers everything from general dentistry, cosmetic, hygienist, surgical, implants, dentures, and composite bonding. Pop in to our friendly team of dentists to discuss your options. For more information or to book online, see bowdentalclinic.ie or call us on 067 321 Trust us to make you smile. Um, hi, I'm at the Garda station, but it's nothing. I told this girl I was seeing for a while that I'd put shots of her up online. Shots she sent me, so they're mine, really. I only said I'd do it, but the guards are saying that's a crime now. It's not my fault, Mum. I didn't do anything. I, I only said I would. Threatening to share intimate images is a crime with serious consequences. Contact your local Garda station if you need to report it. Brought to you by the Government of Ireland. For all your building and DIY supplies at the best price, call in to Topline Cleary's Hardware Carrick on Shore. Shop local at Topline Cleary's Hardware Carrick on Shore. This Saturday evening, Barcelona is the venue for a winner-takes-all senior hurling preliminary quarterfinal between Nina Eroog and Thurla Sarsfields. Throw in 5pm. Tip FM will bring full live coverage and analysis in association with REA, Owen, Dillon, Nina. Thinking of buying or selling in the Premier County? Think REA, Owen, Dillon, Nina. 067 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie right, Lots of our listeners uh, want uh, to know uh, whether or not Johnny Luby is serious about putting his name uh, on the ballot for the... I, I don't know. You know, Johnny, no. I don't know. I'll, I'll ask him again next week and we'll see how he, how he feels at that point. Um, we've been discussing the speed limit cuts on the programme to curb the recent increase in road deaths. Now, the move will affect national, arterial and local roads. Now, under the proposals, you probably know this at this point, but the new default speed limit on national secondary roads would drop from 100k to 80 on the network of local and rural roads throughout the country, a reduction there from 80k to 60k and a lot of diverse opinion on this. Brian is with me. Good morning to you, Brian. Morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Lovely to talk to you, Brian. You're sort of looking more at the driving test and maybe a better preparation for our drivers. Is that fair to say, Brian? Yes, Fran. I was just listening to some of your contrib- uh, contributions there from your listeners there during the week, like some from Tony, was it, and uh, Michael Healy Ray. Yes, some yeah. valid points. I, I would echo their sentiments a lot and what they say is, um, like, I believe that these measures are just basically, they're a blanket issue that aren't that aren't really going to resolve the issue. Mm. They're not going to bring down road debts, I believe. Like the the number one um thing to resolve it is pre- pre- preventative measure, sorry, mm. is, is is enforcement. Enforcement of the laws we already have. And yeah. like we don't have we don't have the numbers in the guarantee at the moment. Like I think the traffic core is down, I think, nineteen percent. Like these are just these are just um signs that are going to be in the road. They don't mean anything. 
You know, then people aren't adhering to the speed limits now. They're not going to adhere to them now without enforcement. And Brian, the investment that uh, the minister is proposing for the Go Safe vans, 1.2 million extra, I think she's putting in uh, to that, so that they'd be out more and for longer periods of time. So, do you do you see anything in that? No, friend. It's, they're putting them in face like it's like shooting fish in a barrel, friend. Do you think so? Do you know yeah. what I mean? They're, they're, they're not. They're not going to. To put in place of fifty zones, and that they're not they're not the contributive factor. We don't know speed is a major contributive factor to to road road accidents and road fatalities, and anything that can bring down that number is a help. But I believe it starts with education. Like it, it has to start with our young. It has to start in our schools. Like I believe we, we should be we should be getting the, the the kids coming out of school should be basically ready to sit their driving test or have done it already coming out of school. Um, I believe it starts young. We need to. We need to. I remember back the drink driving laws, friend. Remember mm. the drink, the, the heroin videos on telly, yes. where the where you'd see drink. There's none of that anymore. Like I believe that the, the I think eight euro for every euro got from the television license fee on a public broadcaster, broadcaster is is shown to digital digital advertisement, which is a, all the young people now are doing. They they live on um, mobile phones and stuff implement video, hard, hard videos on the digital platforms and let them see what the consequences are. That's a very interesting point, Brian, because uh, Leo Radkar came out uh, over the last couple of days and he was saying that uh, those hard-hitting ads need to be back on our, our national TV stations. But somebody made the point yesterday, similar to your own, saying that, well, the young people aren't watching RTE, essentially, and if you want to get to them, you need to use the digital platforms. Absolutely. Look, Look, driving is a privilege, Frank. We're all entitled. We all share the road. It's a privilege. It's not an entitlement. And kids need to understand that when, when they get behind the wheel car, they're, they're driving a weapon, Frank. And yes. if they abuse that weapon, it's, it's going to cause carnage, not, not only to their own family, but to someone else. And it, it, this message has to hit home. We have to drive it home to, to the young to understand what it means to, to have a privilege of a driver's license. It's not an entitlement. You have to... You have to you have yeah. to work hard to keep it. That's a good, a good point. Tell me about the 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 experience in Finland. Uh, what, what is yeah, the story I, I, with the I, driving I, test there, Brian? I have no experience of Finland. I was, I'm just going on what it, word of mouth of what I was told that they they have they have what we have here. Our driving test they incorporate like, uh, but they also incorporate an industrial set or an, air, or an old airport runway, mm. and they incorporate ha- they incorporate hazardous conditions. Where they might try, they might try make you drive into an oil slick. Mm-hmm. To, they make you deal with aquaplaning. They'll be a sudden shout of, of, of stop, and you have to stop on command. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you can't do that in the same driving test in the town because you, you call someone to drive up the back of you. But I'm just saying, these are kind of these are kind of um, points that could be brought in. And another like we need innovation, we need incentives, Frank. Like I've heard about these speed lim- speed limits possibly put being put into cars, right? Mm-hmm. And people saying it's a nanny state, and and we don't need. It don't make it mandatory. What we can do, we can incite, get get insurance company to come on board. And if you prepare to put that in your car, we'll give you a, a severe discount on your premium. And you tell me one person that would not put that in the car if it meant they were going to get discounts on their premium. I, I think that's a great idea. And what came up as well, and I thought it was a very good idea, that even older drivers, if you decided to take a refresher te- test every year, now, it, it wouldn't put you off the road, but it would inform you. But by doing so, you'd get a percentage off your insurance as well. Wouldn't that be absolutely, a fantastic absolutely. idea? You know? 
Fran, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an Arctic truck driver, right? And right. we, we, we're, we're, we're hounded every day now, and for good reason because we're driving lethal weapons. Like, yeah. if yeah. something goes wrong with our vehicle, we could cause carnage. So we're, we're hounded by the RSA. We're pulled in. We're, we, we could be held an hour doing roadside checks on our, on our vehicles and checking for ball tires and, and next door mechanics is sound. And I understand that it's, it's, it's mm. a pain. It's, but we understand it's, it's, it's for the bigger, bigger mm. picture. But like we we go through CPC every year. Yes, uh, and that's mandatory, I think, Brian. Isn't that's it? That's mandatory yeah. for for professional drivers. Like we have to do it. But look, I understand that that's that's just the point I'm making. But regarding the speed limiters, like we don't we don't have to make a mandatory. But I guarantee if you cooperate with the insurance companies and they they they'll offer you a, a discount to premium if you have these installed in your car. I can't see anyone objecting to that. I can't see anyone saying, "Well, yeah. uh, I, I won't put that in my car." And Brian, as a truck driver, what are you seeing out there? What are you seeing? On friend, look, I, I can, I can just give you an example. I, 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 two examples there. And yesterday, I was coming down a bad road from Kerry. Um, it was pretty. Uh, you know the roads to Kerry. I do. I do up and down to Carsvina a lot, and yeah. um, you know the ring of Kerry roads there. They're not the, they're not the best. But I was behind the tractor, friend, and I was doing fifty kilometers per hour. Obviously, obviously, and there was there was no maneuver to take, to overtake the tractor so I just sat back but a car came up behind me and obviously got a bit of a straight and overtake me not knowing that there was a tractor in front of me wow and couldn't make it past the tractor oh, now stop. I, I I had saw so I laid back a bit off the accelerator so he, he could get in behind in front of me but like he didn't legislate for the tractor he just thought I was going to slow because I'm an articulator truck driver so he thought he could take it and never legislate for a tractor and besides that there was a house on the left like he could expand past me, and next thing, a kid playing a football. Do you understand? Like they're not, they're not, yeah, they're not envisioned what the heads. Yeah, they're not and, planning ahead. And, and what do you put that down to, Brian? I mean, is that inexperience? Is it stupidity? Is it lack of training? I mean, how how do you view that? I think a lot of it could be could it be bravado. Yeah. Like could it be young. Yeah. I'm not. I hate being. I hate generalizing. But a lot of it is probably bravado. Yeah, and and need to feel the speed and all that. Like. And, we have to try and incorporate and try and incorporate this into get back to the basics. Like the driving test you do in the town, it's it's you do it in the vicinity you're prepared for. You 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 learn in the town you're going to do. You come back to the to the test center, you lift the bonnet, and you show them where we put the oil, the water, and the and the windscreen wash. And that's basically it. Once you've passed, you're good to go. Like I can't tell you how many people I see aren't able to merge onto a motorway properly. Mm-hmm. But that's not part of the test, and, and uh, there's no, no, the, no but you, yeah, there's no enforcement there. Like we're dealing with some of the worst roads in in Europe, and we're letting people out with with weapons that if they can't uh, legislate for for hazardous conditions. Like how many I was coming in from Banjie there this morning. Do you know the stretch as you come out of Banjie heading for for a care? I know there's a straight well. stretch. Yes. Yeah, I was coming there. I was doing 60 because the fog was so dense. Yeah. Right? I could barely see in front of me. Next thing, because there was a bit of a stretch, a car, I couldn't see if there was that in coming. And I was in front of this guy and he passed me. Win at 100 kilometers per hour. Good God. You know, it, it, that's, that's not planning. That's not forward. That, mm. That's just pure. No, like, but but I, I believe, Brian, I, I, and again, in your experience, I'd look to you for this, but I believe, because I travel early in the mornings as well, are people insane in the mornings? Because I see some unbelievable stuff happening on the roads in the morning. I don't know whether they're rushing to work or whether they're full of coffee or something, but crazy stuff mm. going on. Yeah, look, it's it's it is ludicrous, man. It's like we saw the national slowdown day the other day. Yeah. Some of the some of the reports that came in there, I think it was one hundred and sixty three in an eighty. 
That's right. And your man like, had cannabis taken, yeah. Yeah, these guys don't have regard for their drivers. They don't have regard for their own life, never mind saying their driver's license. Like, there needs to be zero tolerance with approach to that. Like, if you're caught doing that speed, like, you need your license revoked. You never, never should be allowed to sit behind the wheel of a car again. And I know it might, that might sound harsh, but I believe that's, that's, that's the kind of approach we need with drivers like that. That's, that's just inexcusable. There's no excuse for that kind of speed. What are you, you know making I mean? of the, um, the motorway driving? What, what's your experience of that? Oh, look, Fran, I, I've been on the M50 a lot. I'd be on the M50 a lot, and there's a lot of like, people going from lane three to lane one to get into get into their exit and actually veering across traffic to, to make it up the exit. Yeah, yeah. People that can't merge onto the motorway correctly. Like, you know your job to get onto the motorway is you have to merge with that traffic as fast as you can get out there. There's people, when they see a HEV coming up the line, they, they panic. You know what I mean? So... It, it, they end up trying to trying to maintain the speed that you're at, without trying to get onto the, get in and get in onto the motorway. It's some of it is just. Yeah. But as I said, like if we can get back to hard hitting messages and make the kids realise that it's it, and I don't want to generate saying it's all kids because mm. my own two daughters passed only passed their test recently there, uh, um, and but I just. I've just seen what they, it's 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 regurgitation of information from the driver's book. Yeah, they go yeah. up and do their their tests around the town at what forty or fifty kilometres an hour. There's no preparation for hazardous roads. There's no preparation for hazard conditions. There's no anticipation. There's no planning ahead. It's all more. It's all robotic. If you know what I mean. Like and we need to get them where where they can learn from what it, what what it's like to drive in dense fog what it's like to drive in in hazard rain when you get rain if if, if you come approach an aquaplane and what to do how how to control the car you know yeah, what I mean? I like, mean, if, if that could be incorporated into training, as you described the situation in Finland, I mean, that would, that would be fantastic. Mary wants your, your, your opinion on something as well, because she thinks that the biggest problem on the roads um, are the mobile phones and how people are using them while driving. And again, would you see that on a daily basis? I would, Fran, especially at a height of mass, where you can see down into the cars so you can see it. Look, I, I think that's that problem, look, it's always probably going to be there but it should be eradicated with with the new the, with the the moving technology in the cars like i don't know how many cars newer cars they all have bluetooth inside the cars nobody should be on the phone it's it's these guys that are, that are looking at social media and texting they are the huge problem and it, it is like it, it lasts it lasts for two seconds looking at your phone it's it, it you have no control of the car you know what i mean it's it is a big problem there's no getting away from that fact but i just believe this blanket blanket move uh, reduction speed limits without enforcement Fran, it's not going to achieve the, the, the directive that it wants I believe it's just yeah. it's, they're, only, they're only poles in the road they're not going to reduce um, now, fatalities you, you, and you know that I, I'm going to preempt um, some correspondence with us by saying to you that people will be saying that's fine Brian as a truck driver is talking to Fran but you know truck drivers aren't angels either Brian but I'm sure you, would, you would agree with that I'm sure you know absolutely not Fran absolutely not like <laughs> I'm not I'm not out here um, professing for truck drivers I'm only I'm only giving my opinion my opinion as a listener to yeah. to yeah. what I believe is this, I think it's the wrong approach regarding reducing the speed limits. I know we want to we want to reduce as much fatalities and accidents on the road as possible. But I believe without enforcement, Fran, this is a this is um a dead rubber. It's not going to have the desired effect. As I said, we need to we need to the, the cat is out of the bag now. We need to incorporate education into our young people and let them see what 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 they're 
what the consequences are of if they if they if misuse the car or misuse the weapon that they're in. Sorry, my dog's back in. Yeah, but, no, um, no, no problem. Yeah, if, yeah. They, if, if they if they misuse the, the like as I said, driving is a privilege, Frank. We should all we should all be be thankful to have our license. It's not an entitlement, and we need to we need to just educate our young that. Once they get out in the road, planets. Yeah, but you see, I, I I can't understand. Like Tony, who who teaches people how to drive, I don't know why Helen McEntee and Jack Chambers why they're not listening to professional drivers like yourself, you know, driving instructors and all that to inform them in terms of how they should approach this. Like, why wouldn't they ask people who are in the know? Yeah, look, I think this 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 blanket measure. I think Jack Chambers had to be seen to do something. And I think this is a bullet, full bullet approach regarding to be seen to be doing something. But it's not the answer. I believe the answer is in educating our youth and getting it into the schools and showing them harrowing pictures of what can happen when you when you get your license. All right. Well, and um, I, I just I just believe that that's that's where it stems. It stems from education, France. It doesn't stem from reducing road road um, road speed limits without enforcement. If you don't have enforcement, as I said, there are only there are only blocks in the road, there are only signs in the road. They mean nothing to anyone. If, if they're not adhering to the speed limits now, they're not going to be adhering to them if they're reduced. Right. Without enforcement, without enforcement, you can't. Brian, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there and I'll leave you go and feed the, the dog. <laughs> great, great. I'm only in from work, Franny. I'm only in from work. She's, um, she's excited. Great to talk to you, Brian. And you look after yourself thank on the road. And thank you very much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. 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 Brian speaking to us this morning. News and information is coming up. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. Just a bit of housekeeping for you because I just want to bring you up to speed on a couple of things that are happening. Um, Seesaw in Tipperary, wonderful organisation indeed. They're holding their annual remembrance evening for World Suicide Prevention Day this evening at half past six in the Seesaw Garden at Tuberahina Well, Marlfield Road in Clonmel. And I'm told it's followed by some refreshments in the Seesaw House on William Street in Clanmill, which will be open from 6pm to 9pm. And I'm told as well that Father John Tracy will deliver a remembrance eulogy for all our deceased loved ones on the occasion as well. And needless to say, everybody is welcome. As well as that, there's a concert happening tonight in memory of former show band lead singer and former Carrick and Shore councillor Liam uh, Dwyer, who passed away last uh, Christmas. Now it's being... Uh, organised by a group of musicians who shared various stages with him uh, over his very long career. I know um, the great uh, former Garda Band leader uh, Billy Byrne will be there along with the Miami show band uh, bass guitarist uh, Stephen Travers and lots of other great friends. Uh, Gabe Brazel will be there, marvellous uh, guitar player as well. Uh, Jerry Walsh, the great Jerry Walsh will be there. Maria O'Shea Enright, uh, Maria's a great singer. John O'Connor will be there. Pat O'Donnell, Richie Nugent, Shamie O'Brien and friends. And also the Marvel Tones show band will entertain uh, tonight too. So um, tickets on the door, but you can buy them ahead of time as well from the reception at the Carrick Hotel. And I wish them a great night there. Somebody uh, wants to know as well, will Johnny Luby be with the 
on this coming Sunday night in Clonmore. Sure, look, he said he'd drop in, but you know, Johnny, he'll probably get waylaid somewhere. But I'll be there with Muriel at Fitzpatrick's in Clonmore on Sunday night for dancing anyway. Now, speaking about road safety again and uh, what's needed indeed to address the rise in the road deaths. Well, John was in touch and John joins me now. Good morning to you, John. Uh, good morning, Stan. How are we? I'm very well indeed, John. You're a motorcyclist, John, are you? I am, yes. Yeah, so tell me, tell me about... Your bike is capable of enormous speed, but you don't see that as a target to reach, I suppose, John. No, no, no. When I was buying this bike, I checked the manufacturer's specifications, and it said top speed 186 miles an hour, or kilometres an hour. Mm. But that doesn't mean I have to do 186 kilometres an hour when I take it out. Right. You know... It's not a target that you have to reach. So you're you saying know? that the speed signs are the same. They're not targets, John. They're not targets, no. Yeah. I mean, if you change the, the, the people that are speeding at the moment, if you change the, every road in the country down to 50 kilometres an hour, they're still going to do 120, 130 where they shouldn't do it. You know? So what's what's the answer then, John, as far as you're concerned? Because, I mean, you, you have the experience of being out there on, on a bike, which means that you're very vulnerable on the roads. So so tell me, what's your experience? Um, I'll give you an example of my experience yesterday. I was on my way home, passing the entrance to a terrace. Care came out of the terrace, uh, didn't look, and just turned out in front of me and kept going. No indicator, never looked in my direction, and just swept out in front of me. Wow. You know, no, no. I, 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 I was able to see out the corner of my eye, and I, this, this person is not going to stop. So I, I was able to slow down, and I was ready for it. You know, so, but a younger person might get caught. Yeah, or, or a more inexperienced motorcyclist might get caught with that. Mightn't be looking ahead in the way that you were. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Now, the, sorry, friend. No, no, no. Go on, John. Sorry, I beg your pardon. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. Um, uh, years ago, it's a long time ago, I drove a, a Japanese car. Mm. And the Japanese car had a limiter in it. And what the limiter done was, it read the signs, I don't know how, but it read the sign when it came to us, and the car stayed at that speed. Wow. You, couldn't, you, couldn't, you couldn't excel. It, it drove at that speed. Now, if you, if you were needed to overtake the car, you could overtake the car, but after a certain distance, the car slowed itself back. You know, if you follow me. So are you saying that, that that is an ideal situation then when, particularly, I suppose, when younger people are starting out driving? Yeah, if, if you put that into, and it, it, it's not like there is ones out and out and insurance companies track them and they know where you went and how fast you went. It's, it's not, it, This isn't tracked. This just restricts your engine and stops you from doing it, you know? Right, but it keeps you safe, you think, John? It keeps you safe. And if you put that in, we say, if you, if you bring it in, the insurance company says... For the first twelve months of driving, you have to have a limiter, and you can't you can't speed. It basically won't allow you to speed. So at least it's a help, you know. Yeah. What What strikes me though is I, I'm not sure what what age bracket you are, John. But I remember when we started out driving, we were driving kind of bangers and stuff. But I I, I see <laughs> young young dads are driving like Audis now, and they're driving BMWs, and they're you know really really powerful powerful cars. Yeah, and as I say, that that's where the, the limiter would come in. Yeah. Because it wouldn't matter if the rod, you can do 200 kilometres. The, the limiter will will not allow them to do it. If it's an 80 kilometre zone, they can only do 80 kilometres. They are restricted to that. You know? Do you feel particularly vulnerable out there as a motorcyclist? I mean, does that... 
Um, no, be honest with you. I mean, like you say, I have a lot of experience, so I don't. I don't. Uh, there, there are situations, but they're going to be whether you're in a car or a bike. You're going to have those, you know. Yeah, but I always feel you're you're kind of more exposed to somebody doing something stupid because because you're on two wheels, you know. Yeah, well, that's that's very true. Yeah, especially like I say, uh, uh, coming off side roads and that. Yeah. If they don't look properly. They might see a car. They won't see the bike. That those situations are always there, you know. But it, it's similar to the scenario you described to me. That, what is it about people driving onto main roads from side roads that they feel that they can sort of stop halfway out on the road or something, you know? Yeah. Like really but, ridiculous stuff. Yeah, this person didn't even come out halfway. They just kept going, you know? And yeah. the other scenario is where they come out and they crawl. You know, if you if, when you come out on the road, pick up speed. and But they'll come out on the road and they'll, they'll crawl. They don't even try to pick up speed and you're coming. You've got to break them because they're there they are in front of you, you know? Yeah, and, and I guess, uh, I mean, I have no experience in motorbikes, but I guess trying to brake on a motorbike must be kind of difficult to control it then, is it? Um, on the older bikes it was. My particular bike now has the ABS caliper brakes and all that, you know, the same as car, so it's that bit safer. Yes. You know, the, 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 the car, in the old bikes, when you hit the front, the, the, the handbrake, it locked up and you went. You could go over the handlebars or anything, but the new bikes, the, 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 when you hit the handbrake, it hits both brakes, front and back, and just slows you down, you know, so, so it's so a safer bike. I, I have to, I'm delighted you're on with us, John, but I have to put it to you that motorcyclists, as I said uh, earlier on when I was speaking to our truck driver, um, you're not angels a lot of the time. I mean, oh, no, no, no. You know, no, I, no. I came out of Rose Green last week and a guy passed me on a motorbike and it was like something out of a movie. Yeah. I, I mean, in one way, I had to admire how well he was able to handle the bike, but the, on the other hand, his speed was ridiculous. I agree. I, I was going to to care to the gym, and I came off a turn onto the straight. A bike passed me. He frightened the sugar out of me. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> you know, he. I mean, I had got back up to the, the eighty kilometres, and he passed me like I was sitting there. You know, but but that's that's just the same as as people in cars. There is a percentage out there that, you know, that will that will drive like that. And you know? when you look to doing something about this then I mean a lot of people are saying that it should be involved that training should be involved in education in secondary school maybe so, do you go along with that John? Yeah well the, the way I do it sorry Fran yeah do you, do, No sorry I beg your pardon do you go along with that John that, that notion of education? Oh, of course mm. yeah, I think in, in, in secondary school they should have a class where they do the theory test and they have videos to show them what to do if they hit oil, what to do if they, if they hit ice, you know. And you think that will be very important for them yeah. to, to do? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Just show them all the emergency situations on screen. I'm not talking about showing them bad accidents or anything else, but what to do in certain situations and teach them, look, if you hit, if you come on an oil slick, this is what you do if the car starts to do whatever. You know, yeah, because Brian was telling us about a situation in Finland, and part of the testing is that they put them on uh, an old disused uh, airport where they can sort of simulate oil situations or aquaplaning situations where they could get a taste of what it's like to hit uh, something like that. I think that would be very useful. Uh, I agree, but you know, it won't happen in this country because if it costs money, the government won't put that money in. Right, but they're you know, putting 1.2 million into the safe go vans. 
Yeah, but extra, that's, just, that's, just, that's just for extra income. That's, that's only to get more, more fines in. That's all that is, in my opinion. And what do you think of those vans? Do you think they play any part in road safety? It, you see, with the vans, it depends on where they put them. Mm. I mean, I see a van parked above the showgrounds uh, recently. Yeah, I see that all the time in Clonmel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many major accidents have happened between Duns and, and the showgrounds? You know, so therefore it's only it's only uh, click money. That's all it is, a revenue a revenue thing. Yeah, the one I don't understand. There's there's one near Clarehan as well on the bends there, uh, where where you can't actually, in fact, be going all that fast because of the way the road is. But look, I don't know. Maybe yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe it's a black spot. I I, I just <laughs> don't know. But but you yeah. you you think that that's not the way to go? Is increasing that isn't going no, to help? No, or, or reducing or reducing the the speed signs. The way to go is, is like I said. If insurance companies say for the first two years you have a limiter mm. and then it can be removed. But after two years you've got the experience, you don't have the heavy foot, you're used to driving at the proper speed, you know. Yeah. Uh, can I put a couple of other things to you as well that we've been chatting about? Um, Michael Healy Ray was on with me and he said, you know, you need to look at the big picture of all of this. But what he really pointed to was how the hedges are growing out onto the roads and how that is. Um, uh, affecting our what we can see and how far we can see ahead and pushing people out to the middle of the road and all of that. Have, have you any experience of that as a motorcyclist, John? I have because there's a lot of minor roads I, I would drive rather than, yeah. than main roads, you know. And yeah, they, they, they will make blind spots and all that on the road for you. Yeah. You know, but the, the only thing is with a, motor, with a car, you have to push out over the white line with the motorbike. You've got that little bit more space that you can get around, you know. I suppose, but yeah. yeah it, it, but it does make the road blind, yeah. you know. And uh, signage, what, what is your opinion on, on signage? What, what are you...? Um, there's, there's areas there where um, coming out, where I'll be coming out this evening, the, the sign is completely overgro- overgrown, can't be seen. Yeah. The speed sign is, is buried underneath, the, underneath the, 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 the hedgerow. So they may as well not have it there, if you follow me, you know. Yeah, and we've been getting a lot of complaints about that as well, um, how signage is being obscured by, by the likes of that uh, too. Yeah. And one final question for you, John, and then as a motorcyclist, I'm interested in your opinion on, on all of this. But somebody, well, quite a few people make the point that things have really gone down the drain since COVID, that since we went back driving on our roads, it's as if that we've been sort of released in some way and that some of the behaviour then... Um, Possibly causing some 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 of the catastrophes that that we're seeing. How, how do you feel about that? Um, well, I suppose people that that they're, they're just when, once they, it's like releasing them from a cage. I suppose then they got back out on the road. They just went a little bit crazy, and and they need to get back into into better habits. Yeah, you know, like when I got this bike, um, for example, I had to I had to because I left my license lapsed. I had to go back to a provisional. I had to go and do a course. And until I had that course completed and I was certified as competent, I couldn't get insurance. Wow. You know. And how so difficult I, was that to, to go back and uh, to to go through all of that again? Uh, no, well, it wasn't difficult because, like I said, I had I'd been driving the bike. I had been driving the bike for, for 30 years. Yeah. And then I didn't. And then I gave it up for 30 years. So when I went back, I still had the experience with the bike. But if I couldn't drive the bike, he wouldn't have certified me. He would have made me, you know, he would keep taking me out until he was happy because at the end of the day, he's saying, yes, this person is competent mm. and he can drive. 
So, so if you, you hadn't been driving a bike for 30 years, so I guess the motorways then would have been newish to you as a motorcyclist. What what was that like? Um, the motorways, not, uh, not too bad. The roundabouts took a bit of getting used to, I have right. to say. Yeah. Because they were way... When I, when, I drove, when I was driving, roundabouts were practically non-existent. Now they're absolutely everywhere. Mm. You know, so you have to get used to the roundabouts and sweeping around the roundabouts properly and all that. So that all took a bit of getting used to and practice again, you know. All right. Well, be safe on the road, John. And it was great to hear from you with your motorcycling experience this morning. Thanks, John. Thank you. No problem. Thank, Thank you, you. Goodbye Take to care. you. Bye-bye. Safe journeys to you. Thank you. A listener wants to say, my brother-in-law got one of those no-test licences many years ago due to the backlog in testing. He shouldn't be driving a bicycle. Never mind a car, says this person and uh, going on to say there should be a refresher course for drivers every few years well you see as I've told our listeners several times I got one of those licenses back in 1979 as well so you know and uh, yeah well I, I you see I would say this well I think I'm not such a bad driver I've certainly driven an awful lot of miles uh, since but uh, yeah maybe you're right maybe we should all be doing some sort of refresher course every so often anyway 083 311 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer Slattery's Garage Pecan the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County Slattery'sGarage.ie and one of the major talking points of the week was the success of the Wolf Tones appearing at uh, Electric Picnic and Ooh Ah Up The Ra and all of that kind of thing. We had many calls and texts uh, on the topic right throughout the week and we will unpack it uh, with our Friday panel a little later on as well. But John Harney uh, is a publican in lovely Clarehan and uh, he joins me now. Good morning to you, John. Morning, Fran. And uh, you were listening to some of the controversy around this, John. Uh, you're very good to live music in your pub there. You you hire a lot of musicians and stuff, and you're making the point that that's the way to get the house going is singing these songs. Well, we have music every Saturday night, Fran, and um, what we're selling really is atmosphere. Yeah. You know, because you can, if it's just drink, you can buy cans and the off-license, and you can go home and turn on YouTube and watch the Wolf Tones and listen to them. So we're selling something else as well. And we'll say last Saturday night, um, we had the Tipperary Ramblers, and they'd be, they play a good bit of Wolf Tones, not total Wolf Tones, but they play a good bit of it. And that would be one of the songs that they sing, Celtic Symphony. Yeah. And the minute they sing it, the whole place lifts. And tomorrow night, there's a GA fundraiser there, um, Pig on the Spit, Claire and GA, and Owen Barrett, who's a local lad, very talented guy, and a few musicians are getting together, and there's no doubt they'll sing it. And the following week, my Patsy plays, and there's no doubt he'll sing it. No and doubt the whatsoever, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the reason is it creates this kind of atmosphere and coming together. It's not um, it's not political, I can't explain it. It's kind of a unity of the people in the pub. Yes. And, uh, I mean, are you surprised then with the kind of conversation that's surrounding this, John? Uh, is it... You see, I didn't, I, I didn't know about it until I listened to your show and you, you were saying about the Joe Duffy interview. Yeah. In fairness to Joe Duffy, I've been on Joe Duffy three times, I think, and I found him fair. Yeah, you know, and uh, I, I'm uh, very fond of him. I, 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 yeah, I love him as a broadcaster and all of that, uh, but yeah. he was much criticised, for he, uh, as most people saw it, an attack on Brian Walker, yeah. you know. 
I, I was I was disappointed for Joe Duffy rather than with Joe Duffy. Yes. Of the way he tackled it. Yeah. And I was very sorry for Brian Warfield. Like he, he's he's a guy seventy seven years of age, fifty years in show business. I was at him forty five years ago in Kilmanham. Yeah. That's how long I go back with the Wolf Tones. Yeah. And I was sorry for the the way he was treated was a little bit uh just disappointing. Yes. And he tried to defend himself and he wasn't able, he was he was shouted down. And I went off and I looked at the lyrics of the song. Yeah. And it's about a Glasgow sailor that was possessed by the devil who's trying to exercise himself yeah. travelling the world. Yep. And actually, if you read the song, it makes no sense at all. It's mumbo-jumbo. I think it's mumbo-jumbo because, well, the feeling I get from the song is that your man had the DTs because of drink and he saw all these writings on the walls then and stuff. And one yeah. of them was ooh, up the rah, yeah. Yeah, and he, he, um, he was doing the geographical change in the sense of if I go here, it will change, and if I go there, but he was bringing himself with him. Yes. That's, that's the story I get out of it. Now, I would say that if you asked a lot of the young people that sing that song, they they think that for something else. They wouldn't realise that's what that's what the song is about at all. But that didn't come across. Yes. But to get back to get back to it, like all all the musicians that play here, any any group that I have coming in here, I want them to create an atmosphere. And any customers that come in here, that's what they're looking for. Of course. If you come to live music, if if they go to you for dances, they're looking for dance music. Yeah. Like you're not yeah. going to be playing ballads. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. But there's loads of songs that they play as well. Like, you know, if you want to get all the women going, Travelling Soldiers, the song to sing. Yes, all the women yeah. will stand up and they'll all sing and they'll all link each other. And then if you want to get the whole place going, Have You Ever Seen the Rain by Johnny Fogarty? Right. Right, that'll get the whole place going. And the new one on the block is Declan Nurney's Stop the World and Stop Let Me Off. Let me off the yeah. two Johnnies have made him famous. They have indeed. Now, he was yeah. famous before that, but they've... But the point I'm making is that there's loads of different songs that create the kind of atmosphere that I need yes. to fill my pulse. But, but nobody's making a political statement with any of these songs. That's it. That's, that's it. That's there's nobody going around with a, a, an application form yes. to join the new IRA. There's none of that. Yeah. And the the only that. thing I'd say to you, John, is I don't want to be too naive about this either because, I mean, I, I, I know the lads out of the tones. I've worked with them over the years. And so, I mean, they sing, they sing ballads. They sing Republican ballads, you know? <laughs> like, no you know, and, and I mean, they've been doing that for, for years and years, and that, that is their thing, you know? And my, we'll say my grandfather was D.P. Welsh from Ferret, and uh, he'd been involved with Dan Breen and all those lads, mm. like he was involved in the Manchester Escape. I'd be very proud of that. My family, my cousins in Tipperary and Limerick, we're all very proud of that, mm. that what they were involved in at that time. So when these songs come on, uh, like my one of my favourite songs that I sing myself would be the Galty Mountains. Oh, you know, the yeah. Galty Mountains. Oh right? yes, yeah, 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 yeah great But um, and like at the end of that, it, it, the last verse is about joining Sinn Fein, and mm. I'd sing that, but I wouldn't mean it as join Sinn Fein. Do you know what I mean? That's what the song is about at that particular Well, let me time. put the argument to you that's being made then, which is that some of these songs, if they're sung, particularly if we're looking towards a united Ireland in, in our lifetime or whatever, the, 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 the controversy is surrounding that this may offend somebody, that these songs might offend people. Um, does, that, does that hold anything for you? It might offend no, unionists not, in not the it. north or loyalists? No, not We've too, uh, Fran, we have too much of it. We have too much of this people taking offence. Mm. And I tell you, look, it's kind of a political statement and I don't want to get into it really, but I I haven't... Nobody has ever come to me in the pub and said, I had an English guy in the pub one night and 
uh, when that song, you know, Go On Home, British Soldiers, Go On Home. And here I was, because I love music and I love the whole atmosphere. Yeah. And here I was, clapping behind the counter and I was singing away. And next thing I looked and this English lad is standing in front of me that I know. And I said to him, look, that's just the way it is. Like, you know, it's not, it's no offence. And he said to me, he said, I feel safer in pubs where that sang than I do in city streets. That's what he said. Wow, what a statement. What a statement. He never felt threatened, even though he was an Englishman, he never felt threatened at any stage in any pub where that went on. Now, if he came in with a Union Jack around his neck and waving a flag or whatever, that would be a different thing. But, like, once everybody respects each other, and I just think it's, it's slightly, it's going slightly over those people lost on all sides and that, and I know there's some terrible atrocities, but this is more to do with our history going back way beyond that. That's my view. Right. And the fact that all these kids now, well, I call them kids, but all these young people seem to be turning to this music. Now, and I'm thinking of Rebel Hearts and Tumbling Paddies and Whistling Donkeys and going back, as you said, to the Wolf Tones and to the Dublin City Ramblers and all of that. What does that say to you, John, that they're turning to this music now too? But it is the atmosphere, Frank. Is, is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. It's the atmosphere. They can, like, when in the pub on, on a Saturday night, when those type of songs are sang, everybody goes out dancing and clapping their hands. Mm. So nobody is actually dancing with any particular person. Everybody's out dancing. Yes. So it's a new social thing where everybody's out enjoying themselves. And I remember seeing a, a video of the Wolf Tones in Clannacody House. Mm. And, like, there was a massive crowd there, and they were all dancing. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it is. It's just people can get together and leave themselves go and clap their hands and sing and do whatever. And that's what we're selling. And in fairness to Wolf Tones, they're able to create something that young people are looking for. And that's the cocktail you have. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, in fairness, I know he had a hard time on Joe Duffy's show, but it was like handing Brian Warfield a blank check. I mean, immediately they were number one with Celtic Symphony, and now they it looks like they're going to sell out the three arena in October to celebrate 60 years in the business. So, like, you know, no such but thing I, as I, bad publicity, I suppose, John. Yeah, well, like, he he said to him, like, you know, you're only making money of this, that, the other. Mm. And I just, I've just felt that that was a little bit... You know, of course, of course he's making money. He's, he's a musician. He's yeah. entitled to be well, paid. Joe, Joe is making money out of broadcasting. That's, that's right. <laughs> you know, I make, I, I actually make money out of musicians yeah, every sure. Saturday night. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, so, well, you pay live musicians, so live musicians are making money as well. So, you know, there's no great harm in it, but people are writing all sorts of harm, harm into it, John, you know? But, the, the, like, if you take, we'll just say just 10% of the people have an issue with it. Okay, yeah, yeah. 10%. But they're getting 50% of the airplay. Yeah. And that's where, that's the political point that I'd like to make is that we're being run by minorities. Mm. And anyone listening to your radio station will nod their heads to that. We're being run by minorities. Mm. And we have to get it back that if somebody comes along and has a crib of that, like if somebody comes in my pub and says, I don't like them singing that song, and my whole pub is rocking, the answer would have to be, listen, if you don't like him singing this, don't come the night they're playing. Simple as, that. Simple as it that. Has, it has to be. If you don't like it, don't go to the Wolf Tones. If they come on the radio, turn them off. But don't stop the majority of people from enjoying themselves if they want to listen to it. And you think that that should be our attitude right across the board in terms of offence and people being offended, is it? Well, if, if, you, if you take the present government, the Greens have such power. They're the, they're the minority party. And they have such power. 
So it's it's a it's a countrywide thing, and we're going to have to, I don't know, just put everything in perspective. And like that would be my answer. I wouldn't mean to offend anybody, but if somebody asked me to go up to the band and tell them they're not to pay Wolf Tone stuff, and ninety five percent of my pub or ninety nine percent of my pub are here to have a good time, and they know that that's the way they're going to get it, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to give it any listening to. Right, because everybody else expects a good time and uh, they can't be sort of dictated, I suppose, by, by one person's feelings, you know? I mean, Yeah, and, yeah. and you, 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 know, you know, like, if, if, like you're a musician a long time and, you, you know, the, dance, the mm. dance music is your scene and I could go up to you and ask you to play a song and the whole place flying that you know will kill the whole night. I'm sure, I know. Yeah. And you're, you're going to say, I will, I'll try and find the words to that now and you'll be nice to them and get rid of them, but you won't play it. You can be certain. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah You can be certain. So, because that's entertainment, I'm afraid. And I think it's, it's uh, I just, I just feel that young people have associated themselves with, with that type of music because of atmosphere. Yes. And that's all it is. Yeah, and, and the whole done. social aspect of it and collegiality and all of that and people singing together and stuff, yeah. And I, they'll I, all jump up and down and throw their arms around each other and they yeah. get to know people they never met before and all that kind of right. stuff. So it's a, it's a good thing. Uh, so tomorrow night you have that fundraiser, is it uh, tomorrow night, John? Yeah, yeah, at half seven tomorrow night, it's um, the tickets are 20 euros out the back and the pig and the spit, yeah. bit of crackle and all that kind of stuff and Owen Barrett's local lads are doing the music and Owen Barrett is a top-class singer and musician and um, and the Celtic uh, Symphony might get an airing. You never know. The Celtic Symphony, <laughs> I'd say, will get a right blast tomorrow. I'd go myself, Francis. I'd go Oh, send me the video, John. Send me the video. <laughs> Look after yourself, John. Uh, thanks very thanks, much. Frank. Thank Have you. Bye, 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 bye. You now. The great uh, John Harney there from the final furlong in Clarehan. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. And you're very welcome back to Tip Today. Now, the Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnellogue, has confirmed that the decision on reducing Ireland's nitrate derogation will not be changed. The Fianna Fáil politician told farm organisations yesterday that the European Commission had gone as far as it would with Ireland's derogation and the current regime would not continue after 2026. Joining me now is Fianna Fáil TD for Tipperary and the Chairman of the Oireachtas Committee on Agriculture and the Marine. Good morning to you, Jackie. Good morning, Fran. Good to talk to you today. Jackie, as Chair of the Ag Committee, I mean, you, you've heard from several people making submissions on, on this issue. You were convinced, in fact, that these meetings uh, provided a strong and credible case. I mean, so w- with that out there, I mean, has, has Charlie McConnell failed farmers Miserably, Jackie. Well, I don't agree there. I was actually in Brussels with my Oireachtas committee um, yesterday and the day before, Wednesday and Thursday. And we met actually the commissioner of the Indian Environment Commissioner yesterday evening. He have a, he's a, a Lutheranian name, so I'll just give him his title as the Environmental mm. Commissioner. And, you know, he was steadfast in his view that this was happening and this was coming as a result of the review in the spring of, 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 of 2022. And what disappoints me, Fran, most of all is that Delegation farmers, um, to qualify for delegation um, last year and this year, you had to take on 31 extra conditions that you had to comply with. Mm. And 
the, those extra requirements that are for farmers and irrigation haven't been given the chance to work. Like you don't, water quality doesn't improve at the, at the flick of a switch, and we all want to see water quality improving. But like I would feel that those 31 conditions should be given a chance to work and given a, you know, I would say a three-year window to see would um, that result in improvement in water quality, and that's what I feel is the most disappointing. But, but you, you got to see the commissioner face to face. I mean, in in the ministers. Um, the situation. This this was a kind of a, a Zoom meeting that he had with them, and you'd imagine it wasn't an ideal situation to convince somebody to change their mind. No, um, you know, I think the, the minister should have gone out to. But he has he's had numerous meetings with the commissioner over a period of time. I said we had our meeting scheduled there for the last couple of weeks, and we met Minister uh, Commissioner McGuinness when we were out there as well, and we also met um, officials on forestry, and um, you know. Uh, what to me, I I would be disappointed with the commission's view, and this is a universal view that seems to be coming from the commission as regards the necessity of food security and the ability of Western Europe to produce food. It's it's coming very much secondary now to climate change and what was needed for climate change. And to me, we have to have a balance here. Well, most definitely, we have to recognise climate change. And we saw Southern Europe this summer on the biting heat that was there. But we also have to, you know, we also have to feed the world's population. And, you know, as an agricultural committee, we met um, uh, Ambassador McCain, who was the UN ambassador for, for, for food. And we met her about three weeks ago in the Oireachtas. And there's 340 million people in the world as we chat here this morning in a starvation situation. So where we can produce food sustainably, we have to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, uh, they're, not, they're not accepting that we produce food here in a very sustainable way. Like you go across Europe, you will not see cows out of grass and cattle out of grass the way we have it here. And we can produce a serious amount of dry matter per yes. hectare. But, but we are, that we're, we're gone past that being relevant, it appears to me, with the uh, directives uh, coming from uh, from Brussels now. And it, the other thing that really intrigues me, Jackie, I mean, you say that strong and credible cases has been made for maintaining the current uh, derogation. But then the minister comes out. It's no wonder farmers are so angry. He comes out and he says that the government must share collective responsibility for the EU decision. Well, I put out a statement, Fran, and I was extremely disappointed with the decision. And, uh, you know, I stated that clearly. Minister McConnell has argued that case as best as good. It's a, di- it's a disappointing decision, and it has, you know, implications for the, you know, the mint processing industry as well. It's not just at farm level. And, you know, there's a perception at times, Fran, that, you know, this only affects the large dairy farmer. In actual fact, it, the opposite is the case. It's the small, medium-sized farmer who is, you know, trying to uh, trying to make a viable living on a, on a limited holding that will be worse affected. And I have numerous examples of people milking 70, 80, 90 cows that would be forced to reduce by 10 to 15 cows. And that's a huge reduction in that number of cows. And, you know, we're always talking about generation renewal. And that's where I, I see a huge problem with this. Like, if you're trying to attract the younger generation into an industry, if the first thing they're told coming in the door is they're going to have to come back, cut back on numbers, 
they're not going to look that, and that as a viable option for their career going forward, and they're going to look elsewhere. So if there's huge implications to this, Fran, and you know we're now down to mm. 220 for the first of January next year, and even that isn't workable in my view. And I made this point very strongly to the commissioner yesterday. Cows are now in calf on farms. You know, people have their cows in calf, etc. And surely they should be given a, a, at least a window of 18 months that they're told to jab. Right. But they're, they're not. They're not for turning on that, Jackie. And my understanding is then 2026. What are we talking about at that point then? Well, 2026 is another review, and I suppose the point I'd make is that you know. Most, all, all other countries across the EU are in a similar situation as regards delegation. There's two other countries with delegation at the moment, Holland and, and Denmark. And, uh, you know, the view is that, they're, well, not the view, but it's their both of their uh, delegation is under serious scrutiny. And they're, I suppose, at a lower level of what Ireland is at the moment, and they're under scrutiny. So we have to see an improvement in water quality by 2026. And hopefully the measures that I talked about earlier in the interview yes. plan will have started to kick into place then. And like a week or so, and I was, I was, I got a lot of media criticism from my from my chairmanship of of the Oireachtas Commission meeting from my DPA in there a couple of weeks ago, and I was told that I was impartial and that I was that I was completely on the side of the dairy farm and the dairy industry, and I think my. I, I was criticising the EPA and the way their report was presented. And a couple of weeks after that, they came out and said they, they were in favour of everyone going vegan. But I think their impartiality would have to come into question at that stage as well. And for a body that's an environmental protection agency to be making comments about people well, should go vegan okay, is but, definitely inappropriate. Right, but that, that, that's a whole other argument. And then they took down that comment, which I thought was more mm-hmm. telling than anything else. And the minister is before your committee then. Is When, when is that happening here? The ministers. Uh, this day week. This day week is it? This day week indeed. I'm just wondering how how do you feel about the IFA then refusing to, because there seems to be great division with with farmers. Then I mean, you yourself, former um, uh, chair of the ICMSA uh, as well. I mean, how do you feel about what happened, Jesse? ICMSA went into the meeting with the minister, IFA outside with other farming organisations, and then it turned ugly with talk of scabs and all of that. You know, to see farmers divided in that fashion, Jackie. Well, every farming organisation yesterday was trying to make up as strong as they could. And there was a number of other issues. Um, farm payments this year are going to be delayed from the, from the prescribed days. And that, you know, from the date they've been paid over the last number of years. And that, that protest was to highlight that issue as well. And I think, you know, we have a whole new system there for CAP this year. And I think, you know, I think we will get that date, payment date issue um, sorted um, 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 very, very quickly. But look, farmers... You know, arguing on a picket fan outside and um, taking different views. Unity is always the best purpose, and you know, different organisations take different views how to handle the situation. And um, mm. you know, farmers, farmers turning on each other definitely won't make progress for farmers. Do you go along with uh, Michael Healy Ray in saying that the farm organisations who stayed out were incorrect to do so? Well, look, they made the decision to try and, and highlight the issues as, as best as they could. And they made that decision yesterday morning. And, you know, I respect each organisation has their own executive and they make the decisions. And I would always respect that. But I would be a, a strong believer that, you know, negotiation is the way to try to try and, and improve a situation. And, you know, by talking, if you don't talk to individuals, it's very hard to make progress. But I know that the IFA and the other farm organisations will be, will, will be at the thinking uh, uh, in the 
horse and jockey on Monday and Tuesday, and they will be looking to meet Mr. Mr. Minister McConnell over there. And he was to go on a trade mission on Sunday to Nigeria, and he has postponed that for 24 hours so that he will be at the thinking in the horse and jockey. So I know the organisations will be bringing their presence there to get their points across as well. Right. So but, but at the moment, you you can I mean, you met the commissioner, so at the moment it appears there's there's no no turning back on this, really, is there? Well, the commissioner was emphatic in his, that his decision would not get um, past the, the commission that your other countries wouldn't accept reviewing Ireland's decision. And Michael Fitzmaurice, um, Senator Daly and Senator Tim Lombard were with me on the delegation. And we all argued as much as we could for an hour and a half of, of, of the meeting with him to you know, recognise Ireland's case. But he said, as of now, the decision yes. is made. So we're down to making sure that we can improve our water quality and if we can if we can show an improvement in our water quality then we can go back and beat the table and buses and show look our water quality is, is is improving and you know there is a Tagus project on in, 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 in Timaleague at the moment where the highest proportion of delegation farmers in the country is and it's shown clearly that water quality is improving there and I think that's emb- emb- that, that's proof that the conditions that's attached to getting a delegation are having a positive impact on water quality. You, you, you mentioned about unity there among the farming organisations, but what about unity in the government, uh, Jackie? Because, I mean, you've had Fine Gael representatives coming out this morning be very, very critical of uh, Mr. M- McConnell Oak, saying that he should have seen this coming, for example, and that uh, he the way he dealt with it on, on, on a, a Zoom meeting, he should have been there in person, all of this uh, kind of thing. The government seems to be divided on this now. And one of our listeners making the point that Jackie Cahill sounds like an opposition um, uh, politician this morning in the way that you're talking, because you're talking against what, what happened through your own minister. Well, I will always uh, fight for my constituents, Fran, and fight for what I think is best for my constituents. Uh, I'll make no apology for that. Uh, Minister McConnell, in my view, did his best to preserve the, 2020, uh, the 2050 limit for, for Irish farmers. Uh, you know, he has failed in that, but that is a commission decision. And we must remember, you know, that it, the 27 countries vote on this. So we are, we are looking for the other countries to give us what they consider to be a competitive advantage. So it's not easy. And when you have the EPA report, uh, you know, showing that water quality wasn't improving. And, you know, when we, we, when we got the last um, extension to the delegation, there was a commitment given then that, you know, what we, w- we would, um, we w- it could be reviewed on, on the basis of the water quality report of the EPA, and that wasn't favourable. Right, but so, my understanding know, but, is that farmers invested a lot, and it just, in an improvement, but it just wasn't given enough time, Jackie. Would you go along with that? Yeah. Well, that's the point I made earlier, friend, and I think that's the most critical thing in this, 31 conditions were attached to delegation and you know farmers and we we farm a delegation ourselves at home so you know you had to move water trucks you had to you know roadways planting away from from water courses uh, reduced about the chemical nitrogen so there's an awful lot of different conditions attached to delegation and um, you know i'm very disappointed that those were given time to work and what really worries me fran is if water quality improves in the next 12 months and hopefully it will that you know that the EPA will say it's because of reducing the stocking rate, where in actual fact it was because of the conditions that were attached to the delegation, and that worries me. And uh, that's why I felt, you know, that the commission were unfairness that they didn't give us at least three years to give the give those um, conditions that were attached to the delegation a, ch- a chance to work and show that what farmers were doing was actually working on the ground. 
All right, as I say, a lot of people on to us, just for your own information, Jackie, to, to say that it does sound like that you're an opposition politician and it is it is the party in government, it is your party in government here and that, that have failed farmers on this, you know. Well, the Commission have made this decision and, uh, you know, um, we get a lot of positive things out of Brussels, some negative things come as well. We see the Dutch at the moment, um, you know, flaring up yeah. against um, what's been opposed on them. And they have removed their targets for 2030 as regards reduction emissions. That decision was made just the, you know, run up to a general election in Holland. So it's not only in Ireland that there's tension about, you know, climate change and emission reduction. So yeah. I will continue to fight for the people who I represent. Of course, but I suppose what's annoying people is the fact that the Minister is now apportioning blame to the rest of the government, uh, the collective government, and indeed to farmers themselves, you know. So, no wonder. There's yeah, well, that's what, as I said before, I'm the only dairy farmer um, TD, and I'll continue to highlight their issues and fight as best I can for their, for, their, for their problems. Right, but to highlight it, I mean, you know, they're not for changing where this is concerned, so this is, this is a fait accompli now, isn't it? Yeah, we're at 220, um, and you know, as you said earlier, 2026 is the next critical date, so we can't take our eye off of that ball. And as I said, we have to focus on improving that water quality, and then we can go back with a new renewed battle to get to get to get uh, uh, our our limits re, 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 reinstated. But if water quality doesn't improve, again, we're going to have another hard battle on our hands. All right, Jackie. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Now that is Fianna Fáil. Uh, Deputy for Tipperary, uh, Jackie Cahill, speaking to us there, 1800 Jackie, in the, the course of our conversation there, mentioned the thinking that's happening in uh, Tipperary next Monday and Tuesday. And on the programme on Monday, I understand I'll be speaking to Tornish to uh, Michal Martin. 1800 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie You're very welcome back to the final hour of Tip Today. Huge reaction to my chat with Jackie there. And look, I'll tell you what we'll do. We will return to the subject on this coming Monday because I'll be speaking to uh, Michal Martin anyway and I'm sure it'll become a part of that conversation. All right then, it is time for our Friday panel and uh, delighted to, to welcome to our panel uh, David Dorn is with us, former county councillor, Cleanna Marr, artistic director uh, for the Clonmel Junction Festival and councillor John Fitzgerald is back with us as well and good morning to you all and thank morning, you indeed for, morning, for coming on uh, with us today. Um, I'm not sure um, how Cleanna feels about this but we're going to start talking about the Wolf Tones uh, once again, because no doubt the biggest story of the week, the reaction uh, to the Wolf Tones at Electric Picnic, it was verging on being hysterical, not only at the gig, but indeed the reaction to Ooh, uh, Up the Ra and all of that kind of thing as well. Um, one woman on Twitter who is conveniently called Karen uh, <laughs> called for Thomas Crosby to resign as president of the Historic Houses of Ireland because of his decision to allow the Wolf Tones to play at Stradbally Hall. So that's just an indication of where the conversation went um, during the week. So, David, can I start with you? On this, has it been hysterical reaction to it? I know that the Wolf Tones are. It looks they're like they're going to sell out the three arena in October to celebrate sixty years of business. So, you know, well, there's certainly a bit of hysteria around the front. But uh, you know, for me to see the crowds at the Wolf Tones uh, and to throng the tent at Electric Picnic, 
uh, enjoying you know, their music and to see that the support as strong as ever uh, in 2023 is won- wonderful to witness. Uh, it's been a while uh, since I've seen the Wolf Tones myself, but uh, I've seen them uh, on a couple of occasions. I've always enjoyed it. I, indeed, I think it was about over 20 years ago, I was at their farewell tour in the Rag, uh, and it was as big uh, a, a crowd there. And as They've much had more farewells than Frank Sinatra. They, they, they had. Yeah, but I, I've always enjoyed them, and I was always actually, indeed, inspired uh, by their music, uh, from particularly growing up during the Troubles and with a sense of history and, and, and you know, our country and the way the people were being uh, uh, victimised and terrorised. In, in, in the six counties and you know they kind of spoke to that injustice for me personally uh, and I remember as, as a young person I was thinking about this uh, since the controversy came up learning the ballad of Joe MacDonald mm. Uh, mm. written by, by Brian Warfield and you know subsequently listening to him about telling the story of what that song was about and he, 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 Joe MacDonald Gobby Gutton was the, was the fifth hunger striker mm. who had died and Brian had just learned about that uh, and penned it down and you know he, he, he broke down after writing it, it was just about an ordinary man like any of us looking out for his family. And he was one of the lesser known uh, uh, Lesser knowns yeah. and it was, a, it was a lovely yeah. thing. I actually remember uh, Fran when you think about, you know you talk about the hysteria and people making light of the, the wolf tones and what their music means to people I remember it's a long time ago uh, when I went to college first in Letter Kenny, I was about 19 and I sang that song one night in, in the po- and it was too long after the hunger strikes and it was raw and I remember I, I was on the second line and the place went silent and I can tell you to the listeners and the people here it wasn't my good voice or the sweetness of my voice it was what the song meant to people and I remember just when, when you'd mentioned the hunger strikers names people clapping uh, and I remember one man at the counter blessing himself when he's oh my god shine on you Bobby Sense and that's what it means it meant to people that's what it would mean to me do you know what I mean now, now the people I heard Bertie Ahern out there and he was talking mm. about that maybe those that, that, that were at the, the the electric picnic didn't know about the suffering or weren't aware of the suffering I think they would have had uh, you know I think it's underestimating young people. I don't think anyone that was at that uh, uh, concert or anyone that would go to a Wolf Tones game, I, I heard uh, from, uh, Mr. Harney on it, uh, mm. from John, the, yeah. John Harney on, and he spoke very well about it. I don't think anyone would be glorifying uh, their, 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 their history or glorifying the terror how people suffered. I know as an Irish Republican, I never would do that. And it would sicken me to the pit of my stomach to see anybody glorifying suffering. But we also have to remember what people went through. Uh, you know, and our past is 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 very much determined by uh, the occupation of our country, and those songs uh, some, somehow and, speak and to that. Before I move on, David, can I just ask you that that notion that maybe in our lifetimes uh, we're we're looking to a united Ireland, and maybe, and I'm playing devil's advocate, yes. maybe we need take to take great care in terms of you know these collective gatherings singing these songs that are anti-British or, or whatever, with a view to the possibility of offending people that we may have to share the island with. If you know well, 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 I'd be very cognizant to that and I'd be very slow to, to be pushing anything in a political way on people. I, I very much take your point but also I think it shouldn't negate from people expressing their nationalism. You wouldn't tell people in England indeed or in France or in, in, in America or anywhere else to, to, you know, to, 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 to draw back, to, yes. to be careful about 
their, their self-determination. And, and I mean, you know, I, I, I take your point, Fran, but I think those people, any of us that would gather and sing it, well, I know from myself, from my own perspective, mm. right, uh, tippy-toeing around Celtic Symphony or any of these mm. songs, I would, you know, listen or sing along with the Galtie Mountain Boy, which mm. w- of a different era, mm. with the exact same cause, uh, the, the Boule of Oak from a different era, 1798, with the exact same thing, yeah. right, bloodthirsty kind of song. But I would sing along with those songs very much kind of uh, recognising uh, and and honouring people that stood their ground okay. against... Uh, Tri- Triana, what you about know? you? I, I, I always try to guess how panellists feel about different uh, items, and I'm not sure where you'd stand on this. Well... I, I kind of I found it amusing. We, we came at it from the point of view of the tweet mm. uh, of somebody withdrawing from the historic homes of yes, yeah. uh, Ireland because it, Thomas Crosby Crosby has no more influence on what's programmed in Stradbally well, than you, you, you know, know Councillor John yeah. his yeah. as in kind of what's happening in the cinema. Yeah. Um, you know, it's happening on his land. So it, that that sort of seemed like a knee jerk reaction, but it goes to show how people get very emotional about certain things. Yes. Um, Anyone programming the Wolf Tones, I mean, they sing rebel songs. That is what they do. It is no surprise that they did it. I was delighted. You know, they're, they're one of Ireland's biggest bands. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason that they're popular is they're excellent musicians and they play songs that are known and loved and have a certain meaning. And the meaning that they have is different to different people. You know, I used to live in France. People love Irish rebel ballads there. Yes, yeah. They probably don't get all the words. They definitely don't get all the context. But they love that we have that kind of pride in our culture. And they see it very, very differently to you and I would. Um, an 18-year-old different sees it so differently. You know, yes. And a song about the Troubles yes. is as distanced for, to them, to kind of them, as, you know, the boys from the Old Brigade or Kelly the boy from Canaan. We grew up with it, you know, which was yes. part of our. I, I think it frightened. Still, I think you know. it frightened people, and I mm. think it frightened politicians to see tens of thousands of young people suddenly getting together and singing these songs because, of course, they're looking to the future and saying, whoops, what does this mean now in terms of politics? You know, oh, Do, you, you, do know, you think that's reading too much into I this? I think late night at a festival, I don't think anybody's thinking politically. Right. You know, it's, I mean, there's also opera there, there's also cabaret, there's German techno. Are yeah. we reading into what people attending but, those but events the, are? But the now, big I, crowds I went to see the big to see crowds the went to see, Yeah, because it's a great night out. Yeah. You know, some people, David, you will go along to it and you'll mm. go along to it because it yeah. very much speaks to an would you, would you, you go believe to in. Um, I, I, it's, I mean, here it's it's a festival. It's not people attending a Wolf right, Tones concert. Right. But would you the, go to a Wolf Tones concert? Sure, why not? Would you I not? mean, I, yeah. you know, there's this. Would you sing Ooh, uh, up the raft? Not if I was representing anything. Okay. So the, there was okay. a situation a number of months ago where a group who were representing Ireland in international sport it was women's sang soccer it. Team, it? Exactly. Yeah. And that's different because why? Because they're representing the country. People who are attending. But they were in their dressing room celebrating, you know. Yeah, sure, but they're still wearing the jersey. They're still actually representing Ireland, right. you know. Um, you know, we're here today representing our organisations and, yes. as everybody says, on X, formerly known as Twitter, you know, the, my views are my own, not yes, necessarily course, my organisations. Yeah. But I think when you're wearing a jersey, when you're wearing a council tie, when you're, you know, if you're a fish, you know, if you're wearing a tip FM, mm-hmm. you are actually representing your organisation. But I think it's, I think people are reading too much into it. Um, and... You know, it was a very popular act on the night. Mm. Um, 
it's been great publicity for them. They're now selling out the three arena as well. Uh, there's yes. a reason why they've been popular for so many years. Of, co- of course, and that's for certain. And they have for, for many, many yeah, years and indeed. I don't, and and yeah. you can kind of, if you track, I mean, they've been around for many, many years. And the parties that, and, and they've been popular for very mm. many years. But the parties that might represent that viewpoint haven't, you know, have, that hasn't always been represented in voting patterns. So I don't think... It's so that co- puts it's, the new dynamic on it, does it? Possibly. I, I think that's why people are nervous about it. All right, you know? okay. John, what, what, about, politics, what about so you on this, John? I'm, I'm interested in your take on this as a Fine Gael po- politician. Absolutely. I, I um, take the view that I'm delighted in one way that people are still interested in Irish folk music and in Irish music generally. Um, I'm delighted that my children are now discovering the Wolf Tones, believe it or not. I went to see the Wolf Tones in the Shamrock Lounge in Kilross, hundred years ago <laughs> and probably at Seamus Cushley and mm. things like that and we all sang We're on the One Road and my son was at Electric Picnic last weekend rocking it out to The Killers and The Script and Niall Horn and The and, and, the tones. and the tones. Yeah. And I have no issue whatsoever with that. I think to make a point about that is to give others perhaps credit for a shift somewhere in in public opinion. I think people don't particularly take lyrics of songs uh, literally mm. wh- in, when they're when they're enjoying them uh, certainly I know a lot of uh, rapping songs and things like that condone gang violence yes. and you have people like 50 Cent and Eminem yeah. rocket, misogynistic if, if, yes, if you were to listen to and, yeah, that and take yeah. it literally you'd be uh, you, you know so, would, would, so why the uproar then? I don't see the point of the uproar, to be yeah. honest with you. Um, I've been at more old sessions and in pubs and things mm. where I've heard fellas tear into young Willie McBride. Mm. Let's face it, that was about the British Army mm. and mm. Irish people sing it. Would yeah. it make w- me w- want w- to w- join w- the British? Yeah. No. Yeah. So uh, the yeah. I'm a nationalist myself. I'm not a Republican, but I am a nationalist, an Irish nationalist. And I do... Uh, subscribe to, uh, you know, you know, keeping keeping the history alive to mm. some extent of of uh, what's in our what's in our history and what's in our folklore. And what Lena uh, alluded to there, which is that maybe it's the current political scene that's there with the emergence of Sinn Fein. The way it is, looks like there's a good possibility they might lead the next government. Maybe you never know. Um, and is that the fear that oh God, tens of thousands of young people now are behind all of this? Yeah. Is that is that where where I give credit to the young people actually. To uh, I think the young people of Ireland have a lot of cop on. Mostly, there's a lot of graduates in there. There's a lot of well-educated young people who aren't necessarily going to uh, throw their bag in with Sinn Fein just because the Wolf Tones at Electric Picnic uh, might mirror some of what. Sinn Féin have in their, you know, in their setup. I don't, I don't believe the young people of Ireland are quite are are are, are going to be sold that pup to, mm. d- down the river. I really don't. Somebody else said to me on on text uh, yesterday, "Would you shut up talking about this? Because we all know that what happened was drink and drug fueled, and they were all singing along and forget it. It meant nothing, David. What what uh, what would I, you say to I, that? I think that's rubbish, really. Yeah. I, I you know, I think people were there to to enjoy themselves and mm. stuff like that. But I suppose." You know, I suppose the hysteria around it as well, Fran, and it, it is, people are frightened that in some way the political classes that, you know, that there is a drift maybe towards
towards, you know, away from the traditional parties and towards Sinn Féin, which in fairness is the only All-Ireland party, and people would see that. I don't think people, you know, graduates or whatever, I think people can see that. Ordinary, you know, we can all see see that. But I think that, that um, you know, the thing with Joe Duffy... Uh, mm. And the way he treated Brian Warfield as well. People, you know, young people wouldn't like to have seen that. That would be aware of that as well. Mm. And I think it was, it was a bit of a smugness of him. It was, you know, it was it was almost uh, besmirching uh, what republicanism, what nationalism is. And and uh, it definitely came across that way. He kind of ran down Brian Warfield and what they stood for. And, and think, his music and the quality uh, of his music. Yeah, and I think that maybe there was a bit of that in it too. You yeah. know, you know that kind yeah, of way. I'm, the other thing that interests me, and I kind of have skin in the game here because originally I set out playing folk music and ballads and all of that kind of thing as well. Musicians have been very quiet on, on this, Cliona. And I think that might be because there was a snobbery about the Wolf Tones over the years. I remember it very, very well indeed that, you know, those of us playing folk music, playing all that, oh, they're only playing old simple old ballads out there whereas we're doing more sophisticated music and all oh, of that. I, know. I mean, like the arts are horribly snobbish. Aren't they just? You yeah, know, I yeah. mean, people who paint landscapes are kind of put down by people who do installations. Um, <laughs> actors who perform in, you know, kind of musicals are put down by people who do Beckett. It's, yes, you know, sure, it's, yeah. it's just part so of So that doesn't the, surprise No, I think there's, you know, there is in general, there's a mistrust of things that are popular Popular. or populist. Um, But I kind of, I don't know. I think what, you know, at the moment, Fran, as you know, we're doing our production of From Out the Land, which touches on a lot of this. It starts off in, it's it's set in Cake and Barracks. It starts off in Victoria Barracks when two young men join the British Army and go off to fight in World War One. Uh, for various reasons and then they end up kind of on either side of the civil war then we have a a section in the 80s with the Irish Defence Forces and going to the Lebanon and then we have a section in 2012 with the closing of the barracks so we're touching on so many different issues there and and it has been very popular Mm. you know we've had Mm. almost a thousand people see it so far even though we cancelled three nights due to the tragic road deaths last week but it's still a really good piece of theatre you know, so I think sometimes people get nervous of things that are popular because they feel that they can't be nuanced. They can be. I mean, I can't sit through the Greenfields France without breaking down. You know mm. what I mean? There's well, like, it's such a marvellous song. And I think it, just yeah, because yeah. something is emotional doesn't mean that it can't also be well played and intelligent. But it's true. There's a snobbery in is, every yeah. art I remember form, when, when Christy Moore emerged with uh, Moving Hearts and uh, Christy always had his Republican sort of side very firmly on his sleeve, but they called Moving Hearts the musical wing of the Wolf Tones, which I thought was <laughs> rather insulting at the time to, 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 to everybody. At the end of the day, John, to finish this conversation, I mean, the Wolf Tones are the big winners here, aren't they? I think so. I think more look to them. They've, come, they've, they've reinvented themselves to some extent. I know they never went away but uh, mm. uh, the, uh, the you know they're they're a lively gig to go to I think they have some great songs back the years like I mean I remember I won't I won't let you call on me to sing now but I remember <laughs> I, go on I remember belting out uh, the streets of New York yeah. which was a great a great, song, yeah. a great yeah. uh, hit of theirs back in the 80s about immigration yeah. and about the old yeah. fella dying and coming home and all that. Yeah. I think every guy that later liked the likes of the N17 yeah. kind of understood the the narrative. And, of, of course, and, yeah. and, uh, and, and just to point out, for fear people might think it's so great, Tommy Byrne, for me, is one of the great ballad singers. I mean, truly a mm. great, great absolutely, singer. You know, yeah. absolutely yeah. wonderful singer. Indeed. But even the local bands. I was just going to bring that you know, up. My own uh, Rebel, Rebel Hearts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and when they started out there in the Walklers and uh, the Cones, I mean, I remember the, the, the support they had 
even yeah. starting out was big. I remember uh, bringing over, we, we, I was involved with the Dan Breen Saturday Supporters Club in Turles, so we, the I don't know if you ever heard of the Blarney, Blarney Pilgrims from, from Scotland. So. Yeah. We bought, and just this, this sold out, that was back pre the Good Friday Agreement, and it was just that kind of sentiment was there. Uh, even at that time, you know that kind of way. So, so this thing getting hysterical about a new reawakening, and right. it was the same demographic at that time. But so just right. to make that point, young young lads, and it is largely young lads. It doesn't appear to be many young women singing the ballads, but certainly yeah. young lads are forming yeah. these groups again. Yeah. And, yeah. Know, and the women are good singers too. Yeah. Oh, gee, you're not starting <laughs> around with me. You're not starting <laughs> around with me on this. Then, all right, let's take a break. We'll be back with our panel. It's eleven twenty-one. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie and welcome back to our Friday panel, who I'm hoping will burst into song before the end of mm-hmm. uh, of the program. David Dorn is with us, Cleon Amar, and uh, John Fitzgerald with us too. Now, a big reaction indeed to the news this week that speed limits are to be cut in a bid to curb the recent increase in road deaths. Now, the move will affect national, arterial, and local roads. And under the proposals, the new default speed limits on the national secondary roads, 100 down to 80k on the network of uh, local and rural roads throughout the country, the reduction there, 80k to 60k. These are the proposals, but lots of our listeners uh, really of the opinion that this is a knee-jerk reaction and it's not really going to achieve very much. Cleanna, can I start with you on this? I'm very careful to say the recent tragedies in Tipperary, we're going to leave those aside in this case and what we're talking about here is just the general figures around do- road deaths around the, the country. So, Cleanna, <coughs> what, what, what do you make of this? Oh, I th- you know, the, the, uh, as you know, I've often mentioned, Fran, on the panel that I used to live in France. Indeed. <laughs> um, and in France, the speed limit automatically goes down by 20 kilometres per hour when it rains. Wow. Okay. So on the motorway, it goes from 130 to 110. And electronically, that's reflected then on the... On the well, there's, or it's, do it's, people just know? People just know it's part oh. of the rules of the road. Wow. It's a thing, you know. Um, like having to have your, Like having to have your headlights on when you drive in the motorway. You know, it's always, kind of, always, always, any weather. So there's th- things like that. I mean, I think it's something that is acknowledged that, you know, there is that, there is definitely a relationship between speed and the seriousness of a road traffic accident. There's definitely a relationship between weather and the seriousness of a road traffic accident. Um, I think in Ireland, you know, we, we have very blanket speed limits mm. and you've all been, we've all been put onto roads when we're going around the country and we're somewhere we haven't been before and our GPS will put us onto a road because it's supposed to be shorter because it thinks you can go 80 kilometres per hour but you really, really couldn't, you know. So there's, I, I think it's, it's maybe we need a more nuanced rep- approach mm. than just a blanket and thing. is that about education, Cleona? Is that right? I think it's about education. It's, you know, there, I mean, you were, you were talking earlier to somebody about, um, you know, kind of people getting, people with kind of heritage licences that maybe haven't done a Am huge I looking amount embarrassed of driver here? training. Yes. <laughs> oh, listen, I moved back from the States and I couldn't submit my American driver's licence for an Irish one. Um, and I did one driving lesson and passed a written test and got my Irish wow, permit, okay. you know. So again, I mean, there's yeah. an awful lot of us in that kind of yeah. boat that wouldn't have done the amount of driver training that young people have done today. Um, I think the idea of maybe doing refreshers is probably a good one. I think right. virtual If there reality, was a benefit from it, you know, if you got a percentage of your insurance... Absolutely, would, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think also, though, I think another caller had spoken about how... And, and this is actually a conversation I remember having in France with kind of a, a, an engineer about how the penalty model of speed cameras is only 
a money making exercise. Yeah. And that what they do in France is they look at areas that have had accidents and we can all we all know on our own roads where accidents happen. Mm. And they don't put speed cameras. They have this really clever thing where your speed is cl- your time is clocked going into an area and your time is clocked coming out. Yes. There's an area near Limerick where they they've had that yeah, on trial. So this is like yes. this is existing technology that's been yes. around for like 10 or 15 years and you can't have kept to the <clears> speed limit like if you go in at mm. 10 o'clock if you come out before 10 10 you've been breaking you've the speed limit the speed and you automatically get issued now that would only work on a motorway of course no Kiana, would it that could work anywhere you, do you think yeah yeah, it, yeah, I mean, as long as it's a, a stretch of road a stretch without of road. other yeah. roads okay. going off it. But we could definitely control um, right. areas where there are generally So the 1.2 million extra going into the GoSafe vans then, is that a waste, do you think? You see, I, I do think there, mm. the, the GoSafe vans are in that punitive area. Yeah. And I think the, you know... There are a lot of ways of, you know, deciding where people are speeding and why. And I mm. think it needs to be based on the history of where accidents have happened. Right. Okay, you know, but of course, some, some of the black spots. Corners, you, you, there are certain areas. Right. There are black spots. We know where they are, and we just need to control the speed of people going into them, not to make money out of it, but to save lives. All right. Okay, John, you're nodding furiously yeah, with agree, that. Yeah, I agree, agree with, with that? what Clean is saying there. I think that the goes the speed vans are often badly placed. I think they're often in highly urbanised areas, in villages, where there aren't any accidents happening. And they're not out the road. I, I do think there is a bit of a, a commercial a money, a aspect, commercial aspect yeah. to them. And I think the placement of these speed vans might be crucial to helping the situation. I do feel overall that the situation is, um, that there is a bit of a knee jerk here. Mm. I, I think that... Uh, That's where Jack Chambers and Helen McEntee I think a survey, they should take a cool head on it a bit. And I think that... Um, you know, I think that could bring as many uh, problems as it eliminates in terms in what of... what way? Well, I think if there's, if there's a lot of people travelling quite slowly around our roads, certainly overtaking is going to become an issue then. And if there's multiple cars in front of you and one fellow decides to take off past them all, that will actually cause accidents right. by, its, by, its, by itself. So I, I, I don't know that reducing the speed limit is... Far be it for uh, for you to agree with Danny Healy Ray, but he said that it'll turn us all into tractor drivers that will be trundling along the roads, and as yeah. you say, that could cause other issues. I, I think so. I, I kind of inclined to agree a bit with that. That, that yeah. uh, in fact, the I think enforcement is going to become much more of an issue. I think you have to enforce the rules that are there mm. the, and the speed limits that are there that exist currently, rather than uh, you know reducing us all to very low speeds and uh, I think you know there'll be always situations Mm. and that's regrettable but nevertheless we I think more enforcement better use of where the speed uh, vans are placed um, I think is the way to go rather than yes. than uh, you know having us snailing around the country. And, and David, is the elephant in the room here really the lack of resources for the traffic corps? And you know, I mean, the numbers there diminished considerably over the last few years. Yeah, I think so. Fred. Look, I just want to preface my remarks by by just you know we were talking about this. Anybody that has suffered trauma, or any mm. families on the roads, and I was actually away in holidays, Fran, when the tragedies happened in Cashel and Clonmel. Just all I could do was light a candle from and say a prayer from but just look I know you prefaced your remarks but I just wanted to mention that mm. uh, look yeah friend uh, any measure that would save a life on the roads I think it should be looked at uh, and should be supported but I do agree a lot with 
uh, Michael Healy Ray, I had him on with mm. you during the week, and his remarks, he, he, he talked a lot of pr- practical sense. Uh, and, you know, I think lowering the speed limits that's not being uh, adhered to at the moment is nonsensical. You have, the, say, the old main road, the Cork main road, dropping that down to 80 or dropping it down to whatever, 20, those that would be speeding on that maybe could be done 130 or 40. If they, they, they weren't going to adhere to the to the so it's speed not going to achieve uh, no I don't think so but but I think the first thing the number one priority friend for the government uh, is is bringing in uh, education in our schools mm. uh, with the curriculum it should be as a subject to to, to educate our, our our young people about the, the you know it's a machine it's a lethal weapon on the road uh, to be comfortable around it and not just hand them the keys and license and get out onto the road. And I think that's where it should start. And I think that might be a long-term thing, but that would pay dividends for me. I think that's 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 number one. And also, uh, I think what would help, uh, and I heard Michael Healy Ray and others say it as well, uh, about the county council not doing enough. I think the county councils aren't doing enough mm-hmm. for our roads, uh, having the lead on hedge cutting, uh, but by but, you know, but my understanding of it is that they're no longer John obviously would know but the the authority is no longer responsible for the hedge cutting is that is it's the individual farmer, farmers yeah isn't yeah, it? yeah but but I think maybe if the council took responsibility of doing those you know, those those roads that, mm. that are always uh, you know that that are an issue I think that would that to be definitely done then you know in, in fairness farmers and landowners played their part but I think if that was done as as you know as a responsibility yes. of the authority would help and you know Fran. Uh, bugbear of mine, particularly when I was on the, the county council, was the same junctions every year, the sight lines, the grasses growing yeah. out. You have to cajole the council. Like, you have the outdoor staff of the council in my own area. They're second to none. They're fantastic people and brilliant. But is the management is the problem. They're not, it should be as a matter of course that they're done every year. You know, I could mention them, people know what I'm talking because about. Because they'd be known areas. Yeah, you could, if they've yeah. done, done's crossed there, the, 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 you have the, the dark road, you have all these different roads. It's they're they're just in my local area. In Turles, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but, like, they should be done as a matter of course. And that would, yeah. all those measures would help uh, to uh, make our roads yeah. safer. You um, know? Cleena, uh, the, the Taoiseach made an interesting point. He thought that the very hard-hitting ads on TV should come back. And I'm just wondering what, what you think about that. But a listener made a very valid point then and said, OK, but young people aren't watching RTE1. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think my 14-year-old yeah. hasn't watched TV in interesting maybe one. ever. Yeah. Um, ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ever. Almost ever. Maybe occasionally with Granny. Okay. Right. So to <laughs> so get, like, yeah, to get the message to people like that. The TV like ads that. would be hitting my mother who doesn't drive okay. anymore. Right. I think, yes, I think the ads work. I think, though, also there's a part of education is not just scaring people into good behaviour. It's teaching people how to behave in certain behaviour. Yeah. Um, we're about to move on to another topic, but, um, you know, in Ireland, we, we didn't have icy, snowy conditions, mm. you know, when mm. I started to drive. They're quite common now. We don't know how to drive in them. I've mm. lived in France and I've lived in Chicago and, you know, when you when We're you learn how prepared. to drive there, we, we don't have the yes. correct equipment. We can't drive well in it. Um, it's true that, I suppose, road repairs, uh, the local authority has has kind of the, the kind of the, the, the responsibility of that, but are they getting enough funding from the government? Mm. Because... I know I was I was talking to somebody who works in showgrounds the other day and she was saying, oh, you know, I've lived in Ireland for 15 years um, and I, on the stretch of road I've lived I've lived on, I have never seen any roadworks done in it. Mm. Wow. And in well, another country, that would actually be downright shocking. 
Um, because, you know, yeah. like in France, you pay a lot of taxes, but they are constantly putting it into the infrastructure. But uh, I would argue... I yeah. don't know if we get if we have mm. enough funding towards yes. the infrastructure, mm. towards hedge cutting, towards road maintenance, towards, you know, road safety in well, general. Well, do we, John? I mean, is there a lack of resources? There? That's true. There's always a lack of resources, Frank. Yeah. You know, there's always a... You know, you, you, you get budgets and the budgets get spent and um, they do as much as they can in the time. I, I've been highlighting... Um, roads where there have been numerous accidents, certainly in my own parish in Clarehan for some time now. You mm. may have seen it. Nobody buys the newspapers anymore, but there was one recently yeah. where I, I had uh, uh, the newspaper there to highlight where a, a gentleman, where there's, a, yeah. there's a crash every single uh, month almost, yeah. and certainly in the winter months. And the road surface is perfect. Uh, the road surface has a whole lot of uh, scr- flashing lights mm. along it and mm. signage and everything. So there are other elements that cause these. I think it's not down mm. to one. Any, and I so think it's we're all very complex, is it? It's, it's complex. Doing something I think this, it yeah. is all complex. Yeah. I think there's a lot of moving parts to, yeah. to road safety. Sorry, David, you were trying to get in yeah. there. Uh, no, I just yeah. what Kleena was saying about the adverse weather conditions that we're not used to. But I, I, I would say that a lot of the accidents takes place in the road in normal circumstances, not just during adverse mm. weather. But I think what's very effective too uh, Fran, you might see it in the council, John, is the, the flashing signs where your, your speed comes up. I, I think, think they're really effective. Yeah, yes. and I think there should be much more of them. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. in, in, in around local area. schools and stuff particularly. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I mean, in our own area, again, in, in Rehealty School, I was advocating it there because it's a very busy road and they put in Mickey Mouse signs, the council. Mm. Now, you know, whereas mm. this would have been a lot cheaper to put in. Yeah. When your speed comes up, you automatically take your foot off it. Yeah, you're going pedal. too fast. Yeah. And, be, and yeah. I think they yeah. should be in, in in places. A lot lot more of. A lot know? more of them. They're yeah. in villages yeah. now. Probably be yeah. very expensive though, is it? Well, whatever. They'd save lives, Fran. And yeah. and this Mickey Mouse and around what they're doing now about trying to uh, I, I, you know, Jack Chambers and that, I, I think it's only a knee-jerk reaction. I think the people would support Because anything. they have to do something. They have to do something. Yeah, but yeah. if they did the practical things in the local yeah. authorities and support them and get them more funded, then we think... Is it a case of... I mean, people talking all the time this morning it really emerged for some reason um, the mobile phones texting while driving you know all of this I mean this is a huge issue isn't it absolutely absolutely and it's uh, again it comes back to manpower doesn't it you know, in terms of policing, you're, you're, is it? Yeah, you're, yeah. Not, you're not allowed it's legal, it's legal to text while driving mm. um, and it's you know it's legal to take Zoom calls while driving, and we've all, you know, we've all seen people do. But you'd wonder why you'd have to tell people that, wouldn't you? You'd mm. wonder why. You... But people f- will always do what's most convenient. Yeah, I suppose. And you can't, you know. I know people talk about the nanny state if you mm. really try to, you know, put const- put restrictions on things. But um, you know, people will, you know, people are running late. People are picking the kids up. People are they want to get to the shop before it closes. People will always take risks and and probably. Mm you know, need something like a, like the speed thing. You're absolutely right. You automatically take the foot off the pedal. I yeah. think, you know, there are, I think there are things that and can be And would it be, be better to look towards that than putting 1.2 million extra into the go-safe fans? And so would, would that be a better better spent money, I suppose, Clean is what yeah, I'm saying? I, Fran, you know, like I, this, my very nerdy side is I like change to be research-led and policy-driven. Yes. Yeah, okay. So no so, knee-jerk stuff here. No knee-jerk stuff. It's like, is it, it you know, Where's the where's the kind of the background saying that this will actually have an impact? 
Because right. you want to do something Sh- that show has, me the stats that yeah. has the highest impact for the amount of money being spent. This is public money. This is taxpayers' money. We want it all to be spent correctly. Everyone in this room would like mm. it to be spent correctly. But you know, we can only be sure of that if it's coming from actual facts and figures and research. All right. To move on, then the Rugby World Cup kicks off this weekend. Hopes high that Ireland can do well as they go into the tournament uh, ranked as number one. But it was a survey this week that sparked a lot of debate. Uh, the survey carried out by Energia claimed that rugby is now the most popular sport in Ireland, overtaking GAA and soccer. Now, do we believe that, I suppose, is the first question, especially here in the home of of hurling. Uh, John, did this surprise you? Not really, I suppose. Um, I think as we we develop as a country more and more, I think uh, the kids are playing all sports. I find I'm a father of young people that I'm at the side of rugby pitches, I'm at the side of GAA pitches, soccer. Uh, hockey, you name it, we 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 we're at it. And my, uh, you know, rugby. I think, you know, it is truly international. It's one of the it's one of the few sports that we don the green jersey as an all Ireland nation to play, which I find very very pleasing. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, I think it gives us a great sense of uh, national national spirit. It, I really is it do. people following success as well? Because, you know, they've enjoyed great no, success. No, I think too. Irish people have I think it was often forgotten that we had such a strong rugby. Mm. Uh, uh, you see, it was me- seen as being elite I suppose, John. Wasn't it with the private schools aspect of it and all Well, that? you could say that, but I come from a rugby background, would you believe? I'm My family would have been uh, very involved in rugby all their life. The Golden Configle? No, no, it was Clan William. Oh, right. My father and Michael, my brother, who's a councillor as well, as you know, and he they would have played uh, very, very strongly for those that club. By God, I he Michael went in and played with Young Monster in Limerick. Indeed, indeed. Let's well. face it, Young Monster Limerick, every class and creed plays yeah, rugby. Yeah. Every every uh, every element you know is there in on the, on the pitch. So I don't I don't get that the feeling of elitism in it at all. I think it's a it's a very good team sport. Mm. I think that. Uh, it is. It's. It's international. It's truly international, mm. and it's the Rugby World Cup is about to show us. Of course, and, yeah. and I see lots of uh, very ardent Gaelic Athletic Association people crisscrossing and playing it. Into that, as, which, as which well. has to be a good thing. David, what, what do you make of that? Are you a rugby fan, by the way? I, I am. Yep. Fan, yeah, I, I love rugby. Mm. I, I always did. We actually used to play it uh, in in primary school in Rahealty. Uh, were the first uh, school that played uh, uh, boys and girls we used to play together and Go. yeah that was led by by uh, the former principal Michael Quinlan there he was a great advocate uh, for rugby and you know I always loved it and uh, you know I, I used to enjoy playing away. my mm. brother represented Munster the Munster junior team for 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 a couple of seasons and he played a bit of senior with Shannon as well so we're kind of a bit of a rugby but but you know I, I'm delighted that that uh, um, rugby is so popular now it's only a generation or, or so ago since we had the ban, yeah, sure. Uh, and yeah. you know, it's just crazy. And I think, you know, I don't think it in any way takes from our hurling and football and other sports. I think it complements them. Yes. Uh, and I think it's and just for our younger listeners out there, the ban, of course, where the GA would not allow you to be a member if you played oh, soccer. Oh, oh, or oh yeah, I think it was lifted in yeah. '71 and that. But then, so, you right know, right. and then locally we had Brian Gleeson, uh, who under 20 fame was a past pupil and honed these skills. And yes, you know, and I think that you know, I think athletes now can play a lot of sports, and we as as spectators can enjoy a lot of sports as well. And I think right. it's, but, it's only but right. that, that notion of it being probably the most popular sport in the country at the moment. Yeah, that took me a bit by yeah. surprise. Me if, too. If, me if, too. If, if I mean, I know it's popular, but I, I mean, yeah. yeah, but it's just it. I think it's brilliant. You know, and mm. and you're right. Maybe there was a bit of an elitism towards rugby before. Uh, you know, for people that 
you know, came to yeah. it later. Well, for for us, we had it in primary school, which was normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that kind of, yeah. it's just normal well, you for You can us. see why some of us might have seen oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. For people that wouldn't have, uh, have yeah. played it at that, I could see that. And people that were involved with private schools and, and all that. Yeah. But for us, I said, playing in primary school, it's the same as playing in Living in France, I guess you must have been. You must have been a rugby fan, Cleona. Yeah, though, it, it's it's very regional in France. Yeah. It's the southwest, you know, and it, it's funny, it is, is not elitist at all. It is, is it not? No, no, it's wow. very much kind of a... It's actually a working-class sport in France, you know, like, because they don't have... Yes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, so it's just, of course, it's, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Of course. It's a, they're just, it's a, So I think we definitely had that feeling towards it as a sport in general, probably back in kind of the, the 70s and the 80s. But I think, mm. I suppose, I don't know, I'm going to be cynical and say maybe last year when we had the Soccer World Cup, that would have been the most popular sport in Ireland. There's right. obviously, there's so, a lot of advertising so it's, around it's it. it's led by what's happening, is it's that... Led by, is it's also, it's a niche sport. It's not paid in every country in the world, which means that small countries can actually compete at a level where we can get somewhere. Right, at a world level. At a world level. level. Yeah, you know, whereas like something like soccer is played everywhere and an awful lot of money is pumped into it and it's quite difficult for a country like Ireland to have a huge impact. Whereas this is something where we, we literally, we could yeah. go all the way to the top and that's very mm. exciting for people. But you, you guys are sporty and I'm not. But I mean, if you take the defeat of Ireland last night and the general difficulties with us having success in terms of soccer... Um, and, you know, growing up, every kid I knew played soccer. So why are we so much better at rugby, John? There's certain sports I think we're very, we're very good at in Ireland, um, rugby being one of them. We're very good at anything equine, really. We're, yeah. we're, we do very well at racing and show jumping and eventing and all that. But we um, aspire to great things at soccer. And we it do. Uh, I, I just think, I think soccer is, uh, does get uh, affected by the success of the GAA. I think, I think, I think, and I don't think rugby suffers as much by that. But you take it even here in Tipperary, in County Tipperary. I'm a member of Clonmel Rugby Club. I support Clonmel Rugby Club at every aspect I can. Uh, I'm also involved in my GA and Clare Anne and stuff like mm. that. And my kids play for both. And that sits comfortably. Comfortably yeah. with me. Yeah. But you take it even across the county. There's so many clubs that Carrick and Shore have a proud club. Cashel have an extremely mm. good club. Yeah. Kilfeekle. Torless. Dean Norman, Torless. Torless, yeah. like there's been so many junior clubs and now senior clubs in the county that have have look at the, look at the people that we've brought out to Irish teams like Alan Quinlan and Dennis yeah. Leamy yeah. Uh, and others, many others uh, that have 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 played on Lions teams, played in for Ireland, played in Six Nations, played in Heineken Cup matches for Munster. Munster, right. Munster, I think reinvented uh, to some extent the pop. A popular uh, following for rugby because Munster gave us, and it really worked in Ireland, where it didn't work in Scotland, for instance, where the the club system there didn't really work. We had a provincial with four big yes. provincial yeah. clubs that could compete in Europe, and all of them, I think, I, maybe Connacht haven't, but all of them have won a Heineken Cup at this stage, and uh, you know, so I'm yeah. not surprised one iota, friend, that rugby is doing that's so well, and I, I hope yeah. it continues. That is yellow high temperature warning now in effect right across the country. Met Aaron saying that it will last until tomorrow morning, and the forecaster warning warning. Can you imagine the temperatures over 27 degrees? Uh, might happen now. It's been a real roller coaster of weather this summer. It's either pelting with rain or roasting temperatures, and many warning that it's a result of climate change. But is it time to worry, or is it just cyclical in some way? Athena, uh, can I start with you on this? Because again, with your experience of the, we can't handle the heat. I mean, we we all say, "Oh God, I'd love a few lovely days," and the minute minute we have it, we're sweltering and we're we're not able to move and stuff. Oh, you know? I know. I, I one thing I do not miss about Lyon was the, the heat. was the heat wave. Right. You know, I did actually send that uh, weather warning to my sister in Chicago for a laugh. 
27 degrees. that like 80 Fahrenheit <laughs> would be dangerous to the health yeah. and 15 degrees Celsius at night. Yeah, I mean, I've lived in places with really, really mm. hot, hot weather. And again, do you have air conditioning here in your studio, Fran? No. Well, we do. Don't mention the war. But we, you know, we don't have it in offices. Yes, we I don't know. have it in schools. We're not yeah. equipped for the high, high temperatures. Mm. Um, and our big impact with, you know, our big problems with climate change will be, you know, severe rain and rising, um, yes. rising tides. Um, but, I but, think each country will have different you know, impacts of. I mean, I think the, you know, climate change and weather, it's irrefutable at this point. And, you know, I'm not going to say that Ireland is not doing enough to come. Nobody, no country on earth is doing enough to face what's coming down the road because it's quite terrifying. Yes, and many people would agree with that. But John, is this any different to... I was trying to think back on summers when I was a kid. Is it any different, really, you know? I remember really hot summers when I was a, a, a kid. Yeah. I, I actually do. But really is that rose-coloured glasses? I often wonder, you know? No, I don't the, think so. I think they were, I genuinely believe... Yeah. I can remember the summer of, I think it was 1976, and God knows they wrote a song about the summer in Dublin. Yes. Uh, Bagatelle. We're going yeah. back to the music again. And uh, I think that... Um, I think this year, I think, look, this year it's we're getting this Indian summer. Yeah. And I think everyone is delighted with it. Uh, I had a bit of work down near Tremor yesterday and I went off down there for a look around and the place was full. And it was lovely to see the people getting that little last few days before the autumn yeah. sets in. I don't know. I think um, the weather... I, I, you know, we had this year was particularly bad in July. August wasn't all that good. Mm. It's there's some kind of a shift. There's no two ways about it. You're in no doubt about that. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that there is, there is something happening. And I, you know, I'm a, I'm a supporter of trying to. To, yes. to to balance that in, in our habits. Yeah. Um, now, I, I, we don't have time to get into rebuttal on that because yeah. I know there's all sorts of weather issues and mm. weather thingies that's happening uh, that could be the influence on the... But anyway, that's a whole other discussion. Um, David, how, how are you feeling about, you know, Irish yeah. summers and the way well, things are I, now? I think it's a bit cycl- uh, cyclical, uh, as you said, Fran. But yeah. I, 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 one point I would make is I think the the frequency of the weather warnings now, the different statuses, uh, are, you know, taking their, 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 their prominence. I don't think people are adhering to them as much as they would. Uh, you know, you have a bit of extra rain, a bit of extra, a bit, a bit of sun that's not gone into the turkeys rant and, and there's warnings about it. And we took that in our stride before. Like, I'm very is, much... Is it attaching the colour to it that seems to be... Uh, I think so. Like, I, it, yeah. I, I, you know, uh, stormophilia and those things... W- were, were were strong and we needed to be warned and were in the red and people needed to be safe and, and outside and it was very important and it was a good job done but I think they've cheapened it now by having them so frequent if the temperature goes up a small bit or if there's a bit we have a uh, that's my warning. genuine fe- feeling yeah. about it and I think if you do that to become so regular people won't uh, take notice of them but, but you know Climate change, yeah. it is a real thing, friend. There's no doubt about it. I wouldn't be a climate but denier. Run, running um, uh, events and gigs, are, are you like most of my musician friends who said that, God almighty, yeah. they're cursing Met Aaron because the moment they put out a warning, nobody comes to the gig. Yeah. You know? like, is that is yeah. that an issue? Do you, do you think, oh, I Fiona? think weather is like, you know, one of the difficulties, and I've, you know, one of the difficulties in Clonmel running arts events is that we don't have kind of we don't have the places for it to happen so mm. a lot of it has to happen outdoors yes. um and you're just at the mercy of the weather like we have we're we're kind of blessed this week we have this gorgeous gorgeous summer weather but our seating is kind of grandstand covered marquee seating okay. because you cannot take that as a given i mean in july for junction festival we had like winter level gusts of wind wow 
Yeah. Wow. You know, so it's sort of, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe we should build a nice bunker. <laughs> I know. And I know you but have it, friends involved in the Duella show. I really felt for them, oh, John. Yeah, I mean, that was terrible, yeah. That, that I'm a, I, as you know, I'm Clonmel show was always my, yeah. we got away with it this summer, but it was that kind of a summer. You were yes. trying to get away with things. But after all the um, work that they put into the Duella. Duella was, you know, it's I mean, terrible. Was, and they were in, they were set up. Yes. And they were there, uh, you know, I, to have to cancel like that at the last yeah. minute. It's soul destroying. Great committee there. They'd be nuts. Brilliant. Yeah, really hard workers, and and yeah. they couldn't even reschedule then because no. of the nature. No, it was of, a put, it was show, an absolute cancellation. The way it was, yeah, it's yeah. a pity. Uh, the other thing too we have to keep in mind, David, is you know uh, accidents where where swimming is concerned, and this is something that happens. We we have a lovely day, people rush to go out swimming, and we see the tragedies that we've uh, heard about over the last few days. Yeah, it? of course, uh, you know terrible tragedies, and you know people take when the sun shines, they take to the waterways and they they head off. But I, I think that, you know, you, you should never uh, underestimate, I suppose, the power of, mm. of, of our rivers and our sea and stuff like that. And I think, you know, the emergency services do great work. And I think the amount of, of, of knowledge that you get out there to inform people is that you can't have enough of that, you know, that kind of way. So, I mean, that does happen, unfortunately. And sometimes it's the people that are very strong swimmers and are very used to being in those situations sure. that yeah. can get caught, you know, that kind of way. So it's terrible. It's, look, we, we live on an island, we're surrounded by it, but we we just seldom we get an opportunity to enjoy uh, you know, course, our, our, yes. our, our, our uh, you know, our like that, and then we rush to them and stuff like that. But uh, some terrible, terrible, unspeakable uh, tragedies, and you know, all the warnings. Uh, I suppose uh, you know, just you can't have them out there enough and informing mm. people and stuff like that. Of course, that, yeah. That, I, I'm very envious of swimmers because I can't swim, Cleana. Do, do, do you swim? Do you do you swim? Do you I enjoy? I don't it? like cold water, Fran. Do so you? <laughs> <laughs> I used to even swim in the Mediterranean. Right. Um, I'm an absolute perisher. Uh, right. No, it's it's scary, and I think one of the difficulties. My sister now lives in down in Court McSherry and my brother-in-law is Beautiful kind of part of the, the world, Coast Guard yeah. down there. Mm. And one of the things that we'd see going down there every year, you know, for family holidays is that the impact of the winter storms is that beaches are changing. Mm. And this mm. beach you'll know one year and you'll have gone there for five or six years with oh, the kids and you point. go back another summer that's and it's totally actually yeah. rocks have moved, huge things have moved that, that, you know, we don't know, like even if we know a beach, the winter storms might actually change the nature of that beach. Of course. Um, yes. And again, it goes back to that thing of maybe manpower and local knowledge. Maybe so. And, and I was interested and to hear this morning as well. The majority just, of Johnny's, yeah. it's an inland, John. It's actually not the seaside. Yeah, it's the I, lakes and rivers. Hard and, to believe. But there's yeah. also a lot of, you know, uh, there's things that develop like old quarries where there becomes this lake. Of course, yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it becomes a place then for people to congregate. Know, very bottomless type of conditions. It's very sad. Um, mm. You know, it's it's something that I think, uh, you know, you know, it's just more awareness, really. Yeah. Um, more awareness of the dangers attached to it. it. goes back to education. I think, in fairness to our beaches, I think Lena hit the nail on the head. There could be rip currents in places that, uh, you know, I think that uh, there was a dreadful uh, tragedy of the little girl. Little and, girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so, old, yeah. you know, yeah. those kind of things are so... It's terrible for yeah. families to have to come away from the beach having experienced that. I, I can't imagine the yeah. pain. The whole uh, business of climate yeah. change is a whole other conversation. We don't have... Uh, much time for it now, but are you surprised about, I mean, you're a social media person like myself, David, are you surprised about the people who are genuinely denying it, and, you know, whose background might be scientific or political or whatever in there? I, I am, 
really. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's no denying it. Uh, you know, it, it's it, it's happening in our time. I know you have these cyclical changes, but we definitely are, are seeing uh, the, the fruits of it now. Yes. And some people should know better. You know that kind of. But I think sometimes it's often uh, when you see the the kind of measures by the government, particularly the Greens coming out with carpooling and that kind of stuff. You know, that turns people off as well. And then you see crazy decisions like they closed the Brigette factory in 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 Littleton in my own area. And now and we're, fly, import, we're flying in or, or, or shipping yeah. in uh, briquettes from Germany. So yeah. I mean, things like that are bonkers. And then you have people that would kind of support people that should know better feeding into denying the climate change. You have that at the other yes. side of it. Yeah. Do, do you understand the point I'm making? So, I do, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, so I think that's... that's and would you prefer to see more open conversations about it? Because it seems like single narrative. Because well, the thing is, know? I mean, change is scary. Change yeah. is terrifying. Um, and I think that is sometimes that's at the basis of the yeah. climate change denial or saying, oh, no, it might not be that bad. I think it's it's and also because we have no roadmap for what will happen. Yes, of course. There is, yeah. I mean, even amongst even amongst scientists, there are several different ideas. If, if it's, you know, if the, the kind of the temperature increases this, that may happen. Um, yeah. We're actually very lucky in Ireland in that the, we don't have those terrifying fires. We don't have, you know, we've, we've, we're not at the mercy of, you know, tornadoes and hurricanes. And yes. these are not natural incidents for us. So we actually have kind of a, an opportunity to look at what might happen and put structures oh, oh, in of place. Of course, but it's only today and yesterday, God knows, we see with the farmers, John, and you'd be very close to them, I mean, in terms of the derogation and the nitrates. and I've big, I've big sympathy for that, the Irish, you know? for the farmers. I yeah. really have big sympathy for the farmers. I think they are being made uh, to pay a big price yeah. uh, and they're, you know, they've, they've, they've built up their businesses over the years and they're being asked to do maybe too, perhaps too much now. Yeah. Uh, to write to write all the wrongs of climate change. I, I've, that's another conversation. It, indeed, it is. Uh, uh, indeed, I, it is I have, a big, I have a lot of sympathy with to the John and David and Cleona. Thank you so much. I for think being a, Fran, a great we should do, we should be campaigning to have you at electric yourself and Muriel. <laughs> 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 yeah. At electric yeah. pickaxe. I, I second that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Look after yourselves. Thanks, uh, Emma, produce Stephen is on the way, and I'll talk to you on Monday. And uh, Michal Martin is our guest, in fact, on Monday. Look after yourselves. Bye bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.